Hi there. I would like to begin this episode by thanking some people, people like David Visconti, John Ailman, Marjorie, Ken Yuen, and Kyle Steenbergen. These are all people who have gone to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and supported the network, and we really appreciate it. If you would like to be like them, you can go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and check out what's on offer. There's cool stuff you can get there. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireball's Dispatch, our monthly show where we answer your questions, discuss a topic, and we read your responses. Yeah, ending out October, listening to your thoughts on uh, the three horror games that we covered here. Uh, a successful month, I would say. Yeah, fun month. October is mm-hmm. always a successful month. Yeah. There are no failures in October. Right. Yeah. The uh yeah so uh, we're we're gonna just get right into it. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and get started here with Mr. Reciprocity. He says, uh, since it came up in the carrying episode, I thought I'd take a moment to file an amicus brief on behalf of Gary Butterfield and his use of the term alpha strike. I've encountered this term in the wild before, mostly during my intermittent dalliances with the Mech Warrior line of games series I love on paper, but only rarely works for me in practice. In MechWarrior, Alpha Strike refers to the act of firing all, or at least most, of your weapons at the same time, and by extension, the weapon grouping and or key binding used to perform this maneuver. This is generally done at the beginning of an encounter, hence Alpha for first, and Mono for one. Uh, in the uh, the hope of dealing some serious initial damage or at least instilling some good old shock and awe once those opening volleys are out of the way most of your beefier mechs will probably not get to deploy the full package again as mechwire's monastic devotion to its tabletop roots means uh, the rest of combat will be spent firing weapons individually or in smaller groups as you frantically try to manage their specific rates of fire range limitations ammunition heat generation target locks and firing angles Thus, landing an alpha strike can have a big impact on the outcome of your large robot fight. Also, the term is used in the U.S. Navy, whom I must assume are also a bunch of hopeless tabletop wargaming nerds. Well, everybody knows that Gary loves Mecha, so that obviously is where this came from. I might have had it laundered, uh, because I I think I learned it from my friend uh, Levi, Mm. and uh, he's, he's not a Mecha guy, but maybe he got it from there. He's he's a big tabletop game kind of guy. Yeah. Maybe it came over uh, from some people that he plays with. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Alpha Strike, it's real. I don't believe you. Either of you. Whole, what, but, but Mr. Reciprocity. <laughs> I know. I love I Mr. Reciprocity. I, I, wish him no, I wish him well. But <laughs> no, no specific arms. <laughs> how, how about an Omega Strike? Like the last strike? It's just a limit can break. We, yeah. Can we hit the, uh, can we, can we hit a middle ground with that? Yeah, could a Delta Strike. You know, <laughs> Delta Strike is what the uh, is what, what the, the Magus sisters do. Strike today, uh, like, <laughs> like, 
Oh my gosh. Uh, we have another comment here. Uh, Faith says, you guys were saying some stuff I disagreed with on some past episode, and I started feeling a bit like I was my dad watching a football game and yelling at the TV. But then you said, to me, and I was immediately transported to the simply enjoying your perspective zone. It worked. P.S. Gary occasionally has a wistful old cowboy laugh. Again, a sign of wisdom. I, I do have some cowboy DNA. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, the uh, the to me thing is always uh, going to be controversial. Mm-hmm. We, we talked about this a lot. Some people like it. Some people hate it. Uh, it's an instinctual thing that tends to get us yelled at less for stuff that ultimately doesn't yeah. matter in the grand scheme of things that much. Yeah. You know, but- we're we're talking about video games. It feels weird to get yelled at about a video game opinion because it's, it, you know, it's a video it, game opinion. <laughs> It, it 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 leads to it leads to less having my opinion corrected. Yes, it's a bad feeling, uh, and it's also a, a hazard of the job. Yep. It never happened, you know, when I worked in an office. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just it, it's a it's a job thing. Have a, a opinion having job means that you're going to yeah. have people correcting it, um, which you know again different than just stating their opinion or yeah you know, engaging. Well, yeah. Um, and when, when, yeah. when I was in an office situation, people just knew to stop talking to me about that stuff after a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, yeah. Uh, Rick says, uh, maybe more of a topic, but I've noticed that the cycle for remastering and or rebooting previously released games has gotten a bit shorter. The most notable recent example of this is The Last of Us 1. I tend to only play games once, but I have revisited childhood nostalgia a few times with games like Ocarina of Time or Final Fantasy 6. I guess it can be fun to replay a game to put it into a more modern context and highlight the advances of design since its release. Personally, it's also fun to reach back into parts of my life and just use the game to stir up older feelings and nostalgia. But this shortening cycle of revisiting games seems like it caps how much could have changed since the original release. What are your thoughts on the value and purpose of a studio revisiting a property in this way? Likewise, even if a game hasn't been updated, what are you looking for when you come back to something familiar? Yeah, we've talked about remake stuff quite a bit. And to me, a lot of this just comes back to a game from 10 years ago doesn't feel as old as a game from 1992 would have felt in 2002. It, it, well, there's, I don't know how to describe the shape, but yeah, the, the differences between console generations are shrinking. Like, even though they're significant, they are shrinking. You know, there's mm-hmm. less difference between a PS4 and a PS5 game than a Nintendo and a Super Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. Like, The Last of Us almost spoils this conversation. Yeah. Because it, it's so obvious mm-hmm. that it's ridiculous. It's like um like when I talk about Kojima and Quiet. Like that is that yeah. is the the ultimate nuclear option for that <laughs> that conversation. Like nobody can argue with it. Um <laughs> nobody can argue with The Last of Us being remade this many times being fucking silly. Yes. Uh you know and and just even and this was true when they put out the PS4 mm-hmm. remaster uh from it. So the fact that they just keep doing it um yeah, I don't know who's buying them. Same. You know, I yeah, I'm not looking for anything from these because if a game is only a couple years old, I don't want a, a remaster of it. Mm-hmm. Like the only thing, you know, we talked about this before on the show too. The main thing that it can do, I think, is preservation and unlocking something from a system. Yes. Like a Bloodborne remake would be cool, not because you can't just sit down and play Bloodborne. I can just play Bloodborne. It's great. Mm-hmm. But because it would stop it from being, you know, PS4 exclusive, yeah. PlayStation exclusive. Like if they made one that was had a PC port. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. You yeah. know, it was cool when Demon Souls 
got a remake because the PS3, you know, people won't leave it hooked up because why would yeah. they? Um, you know, that that's the good part. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just this this nonsense. And that's why you hear relatively little grousing about Nintendo, you know, doing a deluxe version of like Mario Kart 8 or a deluxe yeah. version of, you know, Pikmin 3 or whatever. Like any of that just, you know, rescue boat from the sinking Wii U. Yes. Like that that's that that's kind of the best case scenario for that for this kind of thing. And and otherwise they tend to keep their powder pretty dry in terms of the distance. Like the yes. remake of Ocarina of Time is significantly better because they there were big, you know, advances. Mm-hmm. There haven't really been big advances since the PS4 version of The Last of Us One. Right. You know? Uh so yeah, it's it's silly and I don't I don't really get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I go back and play something I had played before, it's the same reason why I will watch a movie I've seen before or anything like that. Like you appreciate it with new detail and then you, uh, sometimes it's just to feel like, I know I like this. Mm-hmm. It'd be fun to do this thing. I can't keep perfect memory of anything that I've done at all times. So even a game that I've played a bunch of times, if I go back and replay it, I usually am remembering things that I'd forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it feels a little bit like experiencing for the first time. Yeah. Similar. Yeah, I, I I feel I feel the same way. Uh, yeah. Let's see here. Randall writes another game question here. Uh, just been thinking about licensed comics lately. Bloodborne got a new series recently, and even though it's written by Colin Bunn, someone whose work I generally enjoy, it's pretty boring so far. I was just curious if you had any favorites that you've read, or if there was an IP that hadn't been adapted to comics that you would like to see adapted. With the Bloodborne and Horizon Zero Dawn getting serious, it feels possible that Sony could push for an Elden Ring book soon. The Power Rangers and Transformer comics at IDW um, are actually really good, and some of the best of those properties have to offer. IDW's Sonic book is also supposed to be great, too, if you can believe it. Now that Disney owns them, Alien and Predator uh, have comics coming out of Marvel. Uh, I'd personally like to see some Indiana Jones comics as well. Um, yeah, great, uh, great question. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, there, there's very few like property things that I just want to see transmediafied. Yes. Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit, like a big moody dark souls thing would be cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't necessarily trust anybody to do it, um, or get it right. Um, I generally will just take more of something in the medium that it's in. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally yeah uh, it was more a bonus that any of those bloodborne comics t- turned out to be okay to me i wasn't really expecting anything that's that, that that that's the thing it's really hard for me to name like a video game adaptation comic that i really loved because those kind of aren't my favorite episodes of adap- adaptation decay you yeah <laughs> just the, the, comics are more of a gary thing and that's fine uh, but, uh, you know, I think maybe like the most successful of them also wasn't for me, which would be the, uh, the plans versus zombies one. I could say that being yeah. a real fun kid comic, you know, but yeah, for myself, I can't say. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is kind of inter and I've also heard very similar things about the, uh, transformers and power Rangers comics mm-hmm. from, from comics people that they're apparently very good. Like it's real strange to me. Something that I always had to remember is that like, in the UK, the Transformers are serious. Um, the, like that was a big thing growing up, and it's like those are big dramatic storylines about the robots that turn into cars. And like I, the Kongs podcast I listen to, House to Astonish, talks about 
those comics from time to time as if, you know, just like they're, and I believe it, you know, but they're, they're high drama. It's well plotted stuff with really deep character arcs and it just feels absolutely nuts to me uh, as somebody who grew up on the cartoon. Did they just get different? So they didn't get the cartoon. They only got the, they only got the versions of it that were serious. So it kind of developed a prestige around it. That's I I think they had, they had the cartoon as well, but there was like a really long running and kind of respected series of comics oh that went along with it um that's nuts (laughs) it's really strange to me because they're um i don't know if everybody knows this but they're robots that turn into cars (laughs) some of them some (laughs) Some of them them turn into cars other ones turn into guns jets and guns and just kind of whatever (laughs) and uh they're constantly having a power struggle for their whole world because there are some of them that are the evil ones and some of them are the good ones and cubes and as are far their as vitamins tell, that's it yeah and they eat cubes with their chest mouth and that's <laughs> that's uh that's them uh sometimes humans ride in them that's got to be weird uh, yeah I, the it that's a really weird property to take like very seriously and i believe those comics are good i think you can make you know a good story about anything but yeah. it just really feels like a, a sideways fit to me mm-hmm. yeah i don't get it uh, not for me. Yeah. It's okay. Not British. Uh, Fenreliania uh, says, what experience impression do you have of Destiny 2? It sits in a strange spot of technically being an MMO, but the moment-to-moment experience is much more local and intimate, as activities rarely allow for more than six players in the same instance. It's uh, also an interesting case of a live service game changing significantly. In this case, for the better. The old story and gameplay was fine, but rather rote. Now, each story seems to bring very thoughtful and well-paced character-centric story beats and new gameplay twists. We recently discovered uh, we're plural, which means we have multiple people living in one body, previously multiple personality disorder. The last season of Destiny 2 delved into a lot of ideas around trauma, grief, guilt, etc., and also has very clear parallels with plurality. In uh, the same period of time, we watched Moon Knight with our also plural partner, which unsurprisingly drove us both to sobbing tears. So much of these stories hit so hard through the lens of our new identity in a way that uh, they never would have before. Have you ever had a game or other piece of media coincide with your own life events or self-discovery in a way that hit hard? Uh, the first question is easier uh, yes. for me. Um, I knew I wasn't like Destiny wasn't going to be for me mm-hmm. uh, just based on it being a multiplayer shooter. Um, game um and then i so i picked up like scuttlebutt and listened to people talk about it and kind of you know understood the the general vibe Mm -hmm. you know the pulse um and my understanding of a lot of destiny 2 is that it's it's just fun to shoot stuff with your friends yeah um you know i this is the first time i've ever heard anybody praise the story Um, yes of destiny one or two david on the level talks about the story quite positively as, as as well um i i i'm i'm happy other people are happy with it uh like the majority of people that i hear talk about playing it talk about playing it begrudgingly um so it's yeah yeah. there's an extra credits video a while back that described it as uh law and order or something (laughs) like that like it's just going to be good enough Right. You know, right. You, you you watch it because it's it's on and it's good enough like i just need mm-hmm. to make a couple hours go yeah here's a way to do it which um cool you know yeah. uh, like everybody the, needs their version of that yeah, my, yeah mine is you know janky simulator games it's, yeah. 
it's fine. <laughs> um, the other one, I've, I've got a quick answer for this. It's not a game, but uh, shortly after my first grandparent died, my grandpa, my dad's side, uh, Chris said, you need to, you need to watch the movie Big Fish because it's going to uh, destroy you. Uh, okay. And I and I did. And it did. So there we go. Huh. I've not seen I've not seen it since. But uh, that that particular story, you know, uh, about a grandpa with the big stories uh, passing away in that last sequence, I was kind of like right and primed for it. It was basically like I was on an airplane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Captive audience. Yes. Firing squad for that emotional bullet. Yes. Yeah. Haven't watched it since. Can't speak to it. It's later period Tim Burton. So probably not great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Also, the, the first time I ever heard anyone say something good about the Destiny story and the first time I ever heard anyone say anything good about the Big Fish story. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, this is revelatory. <laughs> um, you know, for I, I will have for me, the closest thing to this uh, is that, uh, you know, if I'm in the wake of like a breakup mm-hmm. or something, I will uh, sometimes have a really emotional reaction. Um, one of the, uh, ones of these, and this doesn't speak great of me, but I'll say it. Um, so I got into in the last couple of years, I got into a band called game theory, uh, who are an eighties, uh, kind of art pop band, mm-hmm. uh, who I like quite a bit. And they have a song, one of their, like, they never had a hit or else you would have heard of them. But like one of their songs, that was like a college radio, you know, got some college radio play they have is called throwing the election. And, uh, in, my last relationship, which uh, was not great, you know, I'm, I'm no longer in that relationship, not to get in too much in detail about it. Uh, but I, th- I, my interpretation of that song, the thing I got from it was this feeling of this isn't great, but this is the best it's ever going to be. Uh, and I'm out of chances, mm, you know, yeah. like I'm, I'm, you know, there's all these lines, you know, like pull the boys back in from the fighting front. Like mm-hmm. we've lost the revolution. We're throwing the election. Yeah. You know, but it's also, you know, and, but it's not just about like a literal election. They're, they're, they're talking about romance stuff in it as well. Yeah. And that really resonated with me after I kind of realized what was going on mm-hmm. uh, in there. It's not identity focused or anything like that, but that ended yeah. up feeling weirdly resonant to me. Mm-hmm. And then that term worked its way into my head as a bit of vocab, like, oh, like, you know, that's a thing. T- if I could go back in time and talk to my younger self, I'd be say like, hey, don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't need to throw the election, right? Uh, with this stuff. So, and yeah. I think that's generally good advice for almost anybody in any situation. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, it's not like don't settle. Like, oh, why shouldn't I have the best? But you don't have to settle for talk uh, toxicity or something being bad for you. Right, right. You Just know? because pulling up is pulling up to something new, it would be, uh, you know, further it'd be cost. difficult, and also maybe you know that wouldn't work, or maybe you won't get another chance of it. But you don't. You don't get to know that, so you shouldn't mm-hmm. think about it. Yeah. You know, it's always going to be a black box. You don't know how many chances you're going to get. Nope. So none of us do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Will says, uh, or asks rather, uh, it's possible that this was mentioned on a previous dispatch, but Cole has alluded to playing a few WAF games on his retro handheld. What model is it? I've been lost down that rabbit hole for a few months, and I'm curious. I'm not currently in the market to buy one, but it's a fascinating space, and I keep up with it uh, as a hardware and engineering enthusiast. 
Uh, do you have any strong opinions on the explosion of affordable retro handhelds? It's a weird sort of product where designers can assemble hardware using byproducts from the extensive consumer electronics infrastructure while relying on the vast sea of existing official software and hobbyist emulation code as the real uh, products and marketing. Yeah. Um, do you have, I, so I have a bunch of these. Okay. Um, I don't remember, or I, I've bought several of them throughout my life, I guess is a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. I have one now. I haven't loved any of them. Uh, right. and I don't remember what they're called because I haven't loved them. Do you, do you have a good answer for this? Like a, a go-to? So the one that I have, uh, I just looked up what's the nicest one at the time that I was, that I was buying it figuring, okay, yeah, I'll just uh, get that one and rely on it for a while. It is the Ambernick RG five, five, two. Uh, it's a, it's a little smaller than like the switch and has a very nice screen. It has been fun to poke around with. Um, uh, and I have played or at least like made progress on a few different WAF games uh while trying it out but i also don't love it to the point where like now now that i have a, a steam deck which we'll we'll talk mm-hmm. about later um but um now that i have a steam deck uh i am gonna be like looking at getting emulators and stuff for that just to just to see how that works out battery life may be a concern but like with the rg 552 it's been a lot of messing around with firmware it's been a lot of okay i loaded all these games on but the whatever version of retro uh, i don't know retro arc is loaded in this isn't recognizing and i'm putting in the right folders it's a lot of like fiddliness and if, if you want to do anything besides you know play link link to the past you know yeah. or like something you know real out there yeah yeah it, it's a uh, so basically same yeah like i i've always been in the market for one of these um and again, like I said, I've bought several of them, but I think I'm probably just going to try to turn my Steam Deck into one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that's going to be fine. Yeah. And I've heard that that's re- it's really good with that. And I like the form factor and battery life might be a thing. But also, uh, as we joke, uh, when am I playing this away from an outlet? Right. You know, right. There, there's a there's I'm not on the go. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's always been a lie. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the uh, yeah, the the idea of just like a, the one of the things when I have fucked around with one of these things uh that has really jumped out to me is how much I value things that just work. Yeah. You, you know, and it's a weird thing to say because I, I like PC games and those tend to require some more fiddling. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, the trade-off is better uh, or is worth it rather. Um, but when you start getting into like, here's my custom raspberry Pi with a bunch of different arcade games on it. And you have to download the Capcom MCC two chip. Yeah, uh, emulator for these specific games, but the MCC one chip for these specific games and stuff. I just it it short circuits me, and I want to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just need it to work. You know, there, there's a degree that I will I'm willing to put in mm-hmm. things. Like I I just went recently, and again we'll talk about all this later. Uh, futz around with my Steam Deck to connect it to my GOG and Epic accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a way to do that, and that was the limit of what I want to deal with, and that was yeah. downloading a program. <laughs> uh, in desktop mode like i do not like fiddling with things it's not fun mm-hmm. to me to fuss with stuff yeah uh, generally yeah so for like emulation i have never found anything better than open emu on my uh on my mac it's fine sitting at a sitting at my computer to play those games i have you know i i, I have like a nice 8-bit do snes controller with uh multiple extra buttons i just ordered because 
because Sega Genesis uh, emulation is a real pain in the ass with a with an SNES controller. Um, I just mm-hmm. ordered like the M30, which is like a Sega Saturn um, mm-hmm. uh, form factor one, you know, with the with the six in a row kind of deal. Uh, yeah, I've got no problem just using Open Emu. That is a good that is a good enough experience for me. The retro handheld was like an attempt, uh, and I'm not sorry that I spent the money. You know, and like the firmware keeps getting upgraded, so maybe there's going to be a new feature that gets it better. And you, you go any further into like Mister or uh, like analog, anything with FGPA uh, kind yeah. of programming, where it's like emulating stuff or mimicking hardware, you know, down to the chip level. I have a uh, an admiration of that from afar, but it is not something that I have engaged with any more than just like look, you know seeing oh what are all the pieces involved what's the process of putting that together and and that satisfies my curiosity and i say go with god at some point it's a hobby yeah you know similar to how like you know people talk about the game of oblivion is like modding oblivion yeah you know like at a certain point fiddling with all the little levers has to be fun in and of itself yeah and i don't regret buying those things because i'll probably like i've got a a friend with some kids and one of them's Mm -hmm. a cool precocious kid who's into electronics and stuff yeah uh, probably gonna give it to him for for a birthday or christmas and mm-hmm. and that'll feel great yeah you know i i i, I get i give my old tech stuff to my little sister yeah. <laughs> just like hey do you want this yeah. there you go like it, it, yeah. i can't resell it that uh-huh. stuff gets obviated so quickly yeah uh you know but it's yeah no skin yeah. off my back and i i'm still looking for a solution so yeah a, pro- a project is fun yeah i yeah. uh, Sean says, uh, hi guys, first time writing in. Just want to thank you for giving me what I've wanted for years. Deep, long discussions on games. Most pods have to fit into whatever is current. And as a result, we often get review podcasts, which touch on the first few hours of game. That said, uh, I'm playing Divinity Original Sin 2 for the first time and was delighted that there are around eight hours of podcasts waiting for me to listen to as a reward for finishing the game. Uh, That said, here's my question. Are there any games, minus the Soul series, that you spend more time consuming media related to than actually playing it? I'm typing this comment at work right now while also reading build guides and planning my party for Divinity Original Sin 2, despite having uh, only three hours under my belt. Another game that comes to mind is Bioshock. I don't particularly enjoy playing it much, and its gameplay does not resonate with me. But whenever whenever a YouTuber or a podcaster I like covers the game, then I am incredibly eager to see what they have to say about it, despite it not being something that I like interacting with directly. Hope you guys are well. Sean. I'm well. It, oh, yeah. No, I'm doing all right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh the i I mean there's no like specific game that i can say for this but like big ones especially more novelistic games you know stuff we talk about all the time uh disco elysium pathologic i get the urge to replay it uh, those an awful lot and then i just decided to like go on a wiki dive or just go poke around on a tv tropes page to Mm -hmm. remind myself of like cool stuff that happened in it rather than uh rather than engage uh but that's about as far as it goes for me yeah uh, I, I do this, um, the, it's, it's rare that it's something that, uh, I don't play as well, mm-hmm. you know, but I will, um, depending on the mood strikes me, like I will do this for any major CRPG, like look at builds and stuff. Uh, so fallout and Baldur's gate and like, um, I love looking at final fantasy tactics mods, yeah. uh, specifically rebalance mods that do new classes or fixed classes. Mm-hmm. I find that, uh, endlessly interesting, um, you know, so I spend more, I love Final Fantasy Tactics. I played it a bunch of times, but I do that, you know, more frequently, I guess, if not more by volume. Uh, and then the other thing, the the real thing, this isn't a video game, but I spend tons of time 
looking up stuff and watching like YouTube about Magic the Gathering and not mm-hmm. very much time playing it. Yeah. It's become a real like I have five minutes to like sit on my couch and hydrate between like doing stuff. I'm just going to throw on like a, you know, top 10 cards from this set thing and just see 10 card designs. Mm-hmm. Like I, it has no context for me. They're not cards I could play with really even now. Um, I'm not that deep into the hobby. I just like looking at design space for that yeah. kind of thing. No, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, do you want to do one more game question and then move on to, uh, to other stuff? Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, this is appropriate for the month, but, uh, Mr. Mundus writes, uh, over the past few years, small indie horror games, such as Paratopic and Iron Lung, uh, have begun using dated PS1 influence graphics as an aesthetic. Uh, have you played any of these games? Uh, what are your thoughts on them? Uh, and the trend in general? Yeah, I'll, I'll let you take the lead on this. This is uh, more your Ballywick, I think. Yeah, uh, it's a good trend. I think that it, a lot of really good stuff is done in that space. I think there's a little bit of stagnation happening, uh, just as uh, I think maybe uh, the at least visual stagnation in terms of the developer, the, the development tools kind of being solidified, like the haunted PS one collective has like put out amazing, uh, uh, just like dev pipelines and shaders and stuff like that to help people achieve that particular kind of look. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, you know, the ground is ripe for them to move on to, you know, whatever is next. I do not know what that might be. If that's going to be like stepping up to PS two, or if that's going to be like switching over to an old style uh, kind of, uh, oh gosh, source engine aesthetic, you know, mm. who knows? Uh, just It just kind of depends on, you know, what, what kind of gets there. Um, I've played some really good ones. You know, Iron Lung is amazing. Um, that Everybody should, got, should buy and play that. That's by the the Dusk guy, David Szymanski. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good bite-sized, uh, bite-sized experience. Uh, Lost in Vivo. Uh, is uh, is very good as well. First person um, uh, psychological horror game that is not in the trap of you've done something horrible and this is your personal hell oh. kind of deal. Yeah. Well, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. There, there's there, there's a lot of really high cards there. Um, that's not even like going into either collections like the Dreadx collection or um, the you know anything anything featured on the. Uh, the haunted ps1 demo desk it is a very good level of fidelity uh for getting super creepy super creepy atmospheric um kind of visuals and sound across while still having uh interesting play yeah yeah, yeah I, I haven't played as many of them mm-hmm. uh, i'm generally in favor of it but i also uh i would say in a more uh broad sense i just like retro style horror things mm-hmm. um and i like mixed media with it i think that like just doing the ps1 style thing is in danger of becoming stale mm-hmm. you know uh, i don't want them to move on to ps2 what i would like to see are more things like uh faith you know mm-hmm. which go to different generations and then also mix things if people don't yeah. know you know faith is jar- largely like a, a like an amiga style game like two color palette and then switches into these absolutely wild rotoscoped Mm-hmm. images and the effect is incredibly uncanny and cool yeah yeah um i think that by like constraining yourself to a single uh aesthetic from the past like that i think you're leaving a lot of cool contrast on the table yes 
see also Horror of Sal- Salazar House, a couple of the different scenarios in Stories Untold um, mm-hmm. that do uh, that do harken back to older styles of play. Um, I, I hated Undertale, but I love that the emboss got photoshopped in a different <laughs> style. Like, yep. that's a great touch. Like, I don't, I don't like that game, but it would be you know, silly and ultra contrary and to say there's nothing good about it. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that the soundtrack is obviously the, the number one impeccable thing, but then the, uh, that touch at the end is mm-hmm. also, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. A- agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving on to life questions. We just have one. Uh, Ethan says this question is for Cole, the homeowner. Uh, I'm go- about to buy a house. Any tips for those first few days, first few days of moving in and getting settled. Yeah, a lot of the tips for this are going to be really similar to what you might have heard for moving uh, for moving apartments as well. Like, uh, keep all of your mission critical stuff aside. Uh, don't know what the logistics of your move are. If you're, you know, going in just one big truck, or if you know there's going to be a truck and then separate cars or whatever. Smaller trucks. <laughs> yeah, like each is, with one box attached to the back as like some, a, some kind a of clown. Semi. Some kind of clown car or Shriner kind of move yeah. that, that yeah. you got. Some kind of convoy of ants <laughs> carrying all of your boxes individually. Yeah. Uh, but keep anything like mission critical uh, as close to you as possible. So you can get that in there first. Mission critical being anything that you need for bathroom or for uh, sleeping. Uh, yeah. Maybe computer stuff. Uh, th- 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 things, things like that. Uh, specific for a house. What I would say is double double check and make like extra sure that you know where the water and gas shutoff valves are uh would be uh would be one of those things you you will uh uh (laughs) it's very unlikely that you will need it but it will save your property and maybe your life if you if you end up needing it and know where where Mm -hmm. that stuff is at uh bring a plunger uh that is the a huge thing like if you end up clogging you know one of your two toilets or something like that, or if there's only like one bathroom there, uh, you're fucked because there's no landlord you can call. Um, so bring toilet paper, bring a plunger, uh, stuff like that. Also, you're probably going to have multiple keys uh, for different doors, front door, back door, garage, things like that. Find a way to label those and keep them uh, in one place at the start as you're going and accessing all those places. Uh, I used a styrofoam cup. Yeah. Do you've called have you called a landlord before for clogging a toilet no no i've not oh, okay okay it's like hold up <laughs> that's, that, that's next level this stuff problem, man. this problem goes deep <laughs> yeah i can't i can't imagine doing that but you know yeah. it's just uh you don't want to be trapped that's the thing you don't yeah, you don't yeah. want to be trapped yeah having a plunger i mean the the pl- people say this about guns and they're wrong but they're right about plungers where it's like mm-hmm. i'd rather have it not need it than need it not have it like you know it's the ultimate thing for that yeah around yeah also don't hurry yourself give yourself lots of lots of breaks like living out of boxes for a month is not terrible you know yeah uh if the it you know if if the option is get it done fast and be miserable or go at your pace and not be miserable because your life doesn't stop when you're moving give yourself some grace yeah i uh i usually pack a bag like i'm going on vacation yeah when i move so i have a backpack with a couple changes of clothes my switch and toiletries mm-hmm. and that's not yeah I, I never put a tooth you know toothbrush in a box right uh, to pack yeah so. um and uh just in case so like here's here's an example for 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 me uh identify somebody who if you need to sleep over at their place for a night uh you, if you'd be able to do that you can 
uh, when I first moved into this house, you know, we, we had like a little move-in party. And as my mom was finished up washing dishes in the kitchen sink, I was in the bathroom and I noticed that a bunch of like food water was backing up into the tub. Mm. Uh, turned out the main sewer drain was completely clogged with a, uh, a combination of roots from the trees outside and the paint that the flipper poured down the drain. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so my entire, uh, basically no sewage in the house. So for the first two nights that I like inhabited this house, I had to sleep at my parents because mm. it's not technically a dwelling if there's no place to make the shit go away. Yeah. <laughs> Or if it's just going to come up under the sink. Right. Or wherever. The whole, you don't want like a Benny Hill chase scenario. No. You no, put something you really down a drain. Don't. Like, yeah. You know, it, it, it just like, it's Mario's fucking hotel in this shit. It's going to flush down some elevator action and it's going to. Scooby, Scooby Doo chase. Oh no, it's yeah. coming out of this one. <laughs> yeah. And now you're yeah. chasing me. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what does Andrew say? Um, Andrew, this is a media question. Thank you. Um, says in honor of the spookiest of months, what is a piece of media that everyone finds super scary, but you don't also, what is a media that isn't generally considered scary, but really fucked you up as a kid? I actually saw baby's day out. Uh, and one of you guys, one of the guys stomps on another guy's crotch while it's on fire, then says you burned down the only tree in your forest, <laughs> which I find tremendously upsetting to this day. Weird line. <laughs> <laughs> like a forest is not an accepted crotch term or yep. anything. <laughs> uh, it's not a forest. If it only has one tree in it. <laughs> I don't, that's a real weird line. <laughs> I mean, wherever three or more trees are gathered in my name, that is a forest. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, first part, uh, exorcist. God damn it. I, I was going to say that too. I, that, I don't think I, anything with the devil can ever be scary. Yeah. Uh, the devil's not scary. Uh, <laughs> demons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's scary. King of hell. That's not the devil. Mm-hmm. As soon as it's like actually Satan though, and mm. Catholicism is involved. I'm out. Yeah. Uh, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I just uh, I don't know if I saw it too late or what, but like I was like, those are some cool effects. And like that girl is saying and doing some upsetting things, but I am not like this does not make me dread. This does not send it does. It it does not send the feeling into the real world for me. Yep. I am not in danger here. This is make believe. It just like screams that at me. Yeah. Um, Um, As for the other one stuff that like like really fucked me up as a kid. I don't know about like not considered scary, but to this day, I still can't slash won't watch the Pet Cemetery movie from the 80s or 90s or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. That is specifically against the question because people find that scary. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. That, that's uh, something you would you found as a kid that fucked you up. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, I guess that is something that is not considered scary. Yeah, that doesn't count. Yeah. Try again. Thing. <laughs> try again. <laughs> well, how about you? How about you go while I try and think? Uh, about it? <laughs> <laughs> it's throwing six boomerang on me. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I don't know. Like, I watched a lot of fucked up kids movies as a kid, but they weren't. Uh, I guess. I mean, and the, the, my answer is all cliches. Like a bunch of stuff in the Never Ending Story was scary. Yeah, to me. Uh, you know, like the, the swamp is scary. The Southern Oracle was scary. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, here's something that nobody thinks is scary that I thought was scary as a kid and still think is scary. I've said this before, but it's a good answer. I think it's the restaurant they go to in the Goonies. Mm. Uh, the, I, that, uh, fires my Innsmouth. 
Okay. Yeah, like yeah. You're in a, a rundown seaside restaurant. Like the people are hostile for no reason. They're giving you like filthy water. Mm-hmm. You know, it's played for comedy when I watched it as an adult, but as a kid, it made an impression on me. And I've always thought it's a really scary concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And my answers would be cliches like large March from Pee Wee's big adventure. Oh, mm-hmm. like a, a gag in Pee Wee's big adventure that I, uh, uh, that, 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 uh, did, uh, scare me, uh, when I was little and again, mm-hmm. the, just really little is the, uh, when he goes to the magic shop and, uh, the guy says, do you want a shrunken oh, yeah. head? Uh, no, yeah. a regular size. No. Then he wheels out this gigantic paper mache with an extra large. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how many more yeah. heads has he got back there? Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a great scene. It's just weird for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> the music's really menacing. Uh-huh. That scene. Yeah. I got to see that movie again. It's been a minute. Oh, it's uh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's real good. Yeah. Uh, uh, continuing media questions. Uh, Maya says, Question uh, for both from somebody who's fairly new to the gaming community. So apologies if this has been asked and answered. Any recommendations for other podcast streamers uh, that are similar to you both? Seems like a lot of content personalities aren't up my alley, alley, uh, but I've loved your podcast, so I'm hoping for more like it. Thanks. Also, given that it's October, any thoughts on the upcoming RE8 DLC and Showcase and the RE4 remake? Uh, That's referring to a Resident Evil event. That's, that's hap- where they're going to show off some stuff. <laughs> that's happening after we're recording, but before this episode comes out. So oh, it is yeah. hard for me to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we can't comment on it in general. Uh, I'm very curious about both, mm-hmm. but just cautiously curious. Capcom has been on this huge role with mm-hmm. the Resident Evil series right now. It's hard for me to believe they're just going to absolutely fuck it up. Yeah. Um, so it's, I will play both. Mm-hmm. Uh, Resident Evil 4 is holy to me. It, uh, it can be uh, unnecessary and still worth my time yeah uh is my opinion on it yeah uh same i'm cautiously optimistic i'm less optimistic about the re8 dlc but uh still gonna play it so it's a it's a mixed bag kind of thing and if yeah. going by re7's dlcs like to me those were like half good and half bad mm-hmm. uh basically it's just gonna depend yeah on what they do um the the little i've mostly been going in blackout but some of the preview images and stuff i've seen uh seem like they focus on the duke like mm-hmm. they might be reinstating that that kind of cut concept and content about the Duke being another one of the lords. Oh, huh. uh, if that's the case, if it's just another spoke off that main thing, I'll I'll be a pig and shit. Like I think that's yeah. a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of other podcasts that are like us, it's a very hard thing to answer. Um, I don't. This is it sounds braggy. I like to think that we bring something unique to mm-hmm. this. Um, there are other podcasts I like, but none of them where I'm like, oh, this seems like me and Cole. Yeah, uh, that doesn't happen so much for me. Mm-hmm. I, I also don't listen to or watch a lot of gaming media anymore. Like, I really don't listen to gaming podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, um, like outside of like occasional like retronauts when I'm interested in the topic. You know, mm-hmm. so this is the, the this is this is hard to say. What I would say is like there are any number of uh, podcasts that have been made by fans of ours. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. like people have gotten together and started making shows. So like one of those would be like, uh, like every F in final fantasy, every F and FF, uh, mm-hmm. is one specifically that I know that has kind of a similar vibe. Are those, uh, are those our guys? I didn't, I didn't know whether that were those yeah, are people who uh, Car- Carl Germ, uh, is, oh. uh, yeah. Nice. Yep. Um, yeah. Also a collaborator with a uh, luxury wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, uh, there are other ones I like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, 
these are answers I've all given before. One of the things when we started the podcast, one of my goals for rapport was uh, the HP Podcraft Literary Podcast. That's about mm-hmm. an entirely different subject. Yeah. But I think they have a similar mix of goofs and uh, not goofs. Yeah. Um, and then uh, my favorite critic is Noah Caldwell Gervais on YouTube uh, informs a lot of what I value in a critical approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very different tone though. It doesn't sound like us or anything like that, but in terms of uh, kind of critical action, probably pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I could just name shows that I like, but they're like political news stuff. So, and that's not germane. So, yeah, we don't, we don't really do that. Like nope. we're, we're political beings, but we don't do political news. Right. What a fucking nightmare. I'd kill myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> It'd be pretty Spend all my time in that shit. Like, I'm going to die someday, man. Yeah. Why, why, would, I, why would I do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, let's see here. Ross uh, says, uh, I used to love tabletop RPGs, and now, as D&D is experiencing a resurgence in popularity, I'm having a strong get-off-my-lawn reaction, despite knowing it's a bad impulse. Uh, have you also had to grapple with your own gatekeeping impulses or feeling abandoned by a culture you once felt included by slash in? Uh, for me, not no culture uh, that's such like there are individual. I think some of my like resentment towards modern Square Enix is because it used to be so entirely my shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so when uh, the kind of the way the aesthetics have changed and the way that for me, it has lost a lot of charm by getting higher fidelity and, and voice acting and the like, yeah. um, that's an individual product that feels like it's left me behind, mm-hmm. uh, but not not so much a culture. Uh, I generally subscribe to the like more the merrier with that stuff um, because, you know, something we, we say a lot in here, the pie just gets bigger. There's yeah. always more pie. Um, you know, I still play tabletop games. The fact that D&D is really huge now and is also being uh, claimed, you know, rightly so claimed by like a lot of people with, uh, you know, oppressed people or minority identities. They're using it uh, that way only feels like a good thing to me. Yeah. You know, I don't uh, that burned out for me. I'm not saying that in a judgy way. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it's still something you feel, Ross, or if anyone still feels that way, just for me, I just no longer have that that impulse really. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's hard for me to say anything that like where where it has really like risen to notice and been a durable feeling. Like I've seen, you know, just just like annoying stuff and takes around like horror games, you know, like mm-hmm. especially with all this Silent Hill stuff in the news. But like, no, it's fine. You know, like I just I can note the feeling, but not be marked by it. You know, so yeah, it's just like yeah, everybody's probably gonna have that impulse, but you can you can let yourself off the hook for it and just you know intellectually know like oh yeah this is this actually is not hurting me and in fact yeah, maybe making maybe making these things that i like better it's it's only by the most like uh abstract argument that anything is a zero-sum game with this stuff mm-hmm. you know the idea that they're making D and they're marketing it to other people could technically mean there's an opportunity cost they're doing that instead of marketing it in a way that is for you uh at the same time there are things that are being marketed to you, you mm-hmm. know, like you, you, in these situations, I always feel like you're empowered just to do a little bit of discovery and, uh, find exactly your shit. Because one of the miracles of modern life is that it's so big. Somebody's making exactly your shit. Yeah. You know, uh, nobody loses their shit. Everybody gets their shit. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bo, 
asks, uh, with all the discussion that's been going on about being done with children's media, I wanted to see where the polls for both of you lie. What are the most childish or lowbrow, th- bro- lowbrow things you ad- uh, adore? And what are the most sophisticated or highbrow? Uh, bonus cold question. Gary has gone at length this summer about Hideo Kojima being an absolute poison to him. What are the most poisonous things? What is the most poisonous thing to you in games? Uh, nothing as specific or as uh, pointed as as Gary. Nobody, nobody's going to get me to break my brand on this. join us become a ghoulie I'm over here smiling politely Uh, no my my answer to that would be boring what do I think is most poisonous Uh, market forces the constant uh, uh, just let's say argument about dollars versus time and the pressure to keep games so cheap that people can't actually make a living selling them Um, and uh, then good old fashioned it just people arguing forever about for frame rates i just yeah. I, I that that stuff i just uh i have negative interest in it don't you don't you think you could have been a legend just now if you had said good old-fashioned shigeru miyamoto <laughs> <At the end? laughs> like, you really want to take the high road in this you don't want to come wallow in the shit with us <laughs> <laughs> if I, I don't know like, it's like a smile <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anybody who seems that happy is obviously hyped yeah, it seems so nice <laughs> fuck it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so my answer is my, my answers on that are boring uh, oh what's the dumbest thing you like uh, the dumbest thing I like uh, probably shows like Trailer Park Boys or Litter Kenny, even though Litter Kenny's kind of smart, you know, with uh, the pace, the dialogue and the reference and stuff. But it's obviously really, really fucking dumb mm-hmm. uh, as well. Kind of it, it does that equid thing of operating on a couple of different balances, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I'd probably say, say, say maybe those. I do watch an awful lot of Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Yeah. It's like comfort food, but that's also, I wouldn't call that childish or lowbrow either. It's not lowbrow, but it's definitely not highbrow. Right. Like I'm, I'm operating. I've, I watched more Bob's burgers recently. I'm operating under, uh, it being the platonic ideal of a mid. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's one of the most mid things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It, it's rare that like, I never crack up Yeah. during a Bob's burgers. I like it and I'll smile a lot and that's valuable, but I'm never like losing my shit, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but I'm also not like annoyed as hell or grossed out or anything. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a real cruising altitude kind of show. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the answer I, I would have said like a few years ago would have been jackass. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I now am, I to come around and I now think jackass is smart actually. Um, <laughs> sincerely, like I just, you yeah, know, yeah. there, there's, there's cleverness to all of this. Um, the, the real answer is listicle entertainment. Oh uh, shit. You're right. I hate that I like it, but I will like YouTube knows me and uh, has my number and will be like, hey, Gary, you seem like you're just browsing. Do you want to look at the 10 scariest or like the 10 uh, grossest un- or cut designs for Resident Evil? And I'm like, yes, yes, I do. And I, <laughs> I will play along and do all the top 10 structure bullshit you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, give it to me. You know, I, I will do anything like that. Uh, I don't like it because I think it's low. I'd rather just read it but I, I will go along with the ride. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, along with that, uh, uh, shark tank as the lowest brow thing. I really enjoy. I fucking oh, just go, go, go fucking wild on shark tank 
or, you know, yeah. or Dra- Dragon's Den specifically, Can- uh, the yeah. Canadian version. And, you know, I guess like, and I watched Chopped and uh, uh, Cutthroat Kitchen, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's pretty dumb. Like Cutthroat <laughs> Kitchen, like it's, it's not smart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, and then the, the highest brow thing that I do, uh, I don't, there's not tons of highbrow stuff I'm really into. I know mm-hmm. that makes me sound like a fucking idiot, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think that I'm a smart person, but I'm not. Uh, the trappings of academia and academic media are not interesting to me inherently. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the closest are uh, pouring over and like cross-referencing kind of um, annotations with really, really dense comics. Mm-hmm. So like really, really dense, like Alan Moore or Grant Morrison comics that are really filled with illusion. I will go down that road. Yeah. You know, so like I will read the invisibles with a uh kind of a libretto with it and then look up source material and kind of like see these connections of the of obscure, you know, 17th century magicians and and all the shit that it's talking about. Yeah. It's probably the closest thing I do to anything with like real intellectual rigor. Mm-hmm. Um you yeah. know, rigor in terms of like academic study, not just like difficult puzzle shit. Yeah. Which I like. So yeah, for for me, highbrow stuff. I'm not really like reading a lot of highbrow things. Probably the closest that gets to this is like I don't know. There's some 20th century poetry that I like, John Berryman, T.S. Eliot, stuff like that. That is fun to go back to every once in a while. You know, yeah. Just but that's just, that that mostly just goes to like, oh, I want to read some of the dream songs again. And even that stuff is it's funny because I like I like a lot of that stuff too. But it's it's only highbrow and an incredibly old timey stodgy college way right like the actual the 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 world has turned mm-hmm. they're shitty dinosaur poets who should <laughs> who should go to hell <laughs> and real poetry is there's been huge advances yes. you know in, in actual the art mm-hmm. part of this so yeah, yeah i i just yeah i'm pretty checked out about that stuff like i i mm-hmm. top out at middle brow and i'm okay yeah. with it yep you know? i don't i don't need to put on airs yep 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 yeah uh Eric says, and uh, this will be uh, uh, this will be timely. Eric says, "Help! Last Halloween during a party, I tossed on Dolls as a horror movie, uh, and it was the perfect balance of silly and gory to be an entertaining party movie. And here I've gone and set up another party, thinking I could find another movie similar to it. And now, eight disappointments in, I can't find anything that hits that tone." I know recommendations are poison, but tis the season and I need some. Any movie you can think of that hits a balance of campy fun, uh, but will still be spooky and gory. Thanks. Uh, P.S. God help you with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Ten minutes in, um, and I was so excited, and then I just and then it just turned into stretch and ad lib uh, for the rest of the runtime. Uh, and I love uh, Dennis Hopper and Bill Mosley. Uh, bummer. I've heard I've heard people go back and forth about whether we should watch yeah. uh, Chainsaw Massacre too. But yeah, uh, great call on dolls. I love dolls. <laughs> uh, that's a Stuart Gordon movie. I watched it when he passed away uh, in honor of his death, mm. and uh, I watched that. I, that actually wouldn't be a good answer for. I mean, no, no, it's considered scary, but I saw that way too young yeah. uh, as well, and had a huge effect on me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, creating lifelong horror trope, you know, interest that I have to this day, like people being turned into dolls or turned into inanimate objects is like a mm-hmm. thing that's scary and cool to me and probably started yeah. uh, with dolls. Um, in terms of things that hit that balance uh, correctly right, uh, that's tricky mm-hmm. because um, dolls is also not like super horny. 
and I, like my first instinct was from beyond because that's oh. really campy and and gory and stuff but it's so fucking horny it, did you mean you mean the one with the snm monster made out of cookie dough yeah the yeah. The, the sexual cookie dough like the incredibly horny pile of like you know skin uh-huh. uh, and then you know jeffrey combs on the second half with his brain penis uh-huh. it's it just it's too horny you know <laughs> same thing with dagon which is yep. like practical effects and scary. Like Stuart Gordon is a good touch point for this, but dolls is really unique in being like the, one of the least sexualized things he's ever done. Yeah. You could say reanimator, but then there's that whole, uh, you know, there's a disembodied yeah. head goes down on a lady. Yep. Yeah. It's a, uh, but I mean, reanimator is a good answer. Cause that doesn't come up until way later mm-hmm. as well. I would say, I would say follow Stuart Gordon stuff. Yeah. Uh, for that specific mix. I would, I would say Dagon is a bad one, not so much for the, uh, for the horniness, but just because that is probably the darkest. Like there's like, there's not a lot of like laughs and goof em ups like that and castle freak of his are, mm. uh, are, are not as campy as I would, as I, you know, would, would say are like hallmarks of his to my mind. What was the first one you said? Um, Dagon or, oh, uh, yeah. castle freak. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dagon starts off kind of campy and, and fun and then just gets really harrowing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you see somebody skinned alive. Again, but yeah. yeah, you see, it, it just kind of gets a little, you know, the same way that From Beyond kind of pushes the horny meter uh-huh. beyond the mid. Uh, this pushes the, the gore meter yeah. a little bit further. I mean, uh, it's th- 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 this is a recent one, but if you really want to, I mean, not a recent film, but one that we covered recently, but if you really want to like lean into the, uh, hey, this is, this is kind of shit, but in a fun way that uh also the people will not have seen uh dig up the video dad that's oh, like on man. tubi or something like that i was thinking about the video dad as well but i that actually reminded me a uh, perfect answer what i'm gonna bring for unfilmable for christmas spoiler is silent night deadly night five Ooh. <laughs> uh, that's a really good one for this christmas is starting earlier and earlier every it, year it Gary. <laughs> <laughs> it's i i just yeah i didn't, I didn't want to try to be coy boy about it but it's that movie is real good as far as this shit goes mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to predict what's going to happen next in that movie <laughs> uh you know uh, yeah. also give joysticks a spin <laughs> it's, a ter- it's not a horror movie too horny but like carry yeah. too horny <laughs> i know but like it's so it's got that unpredictable energy yeah you know um oh, moving on to show questions uh and we were only gonna do a couple of these we gotta we gotta mosey yeah. uh John uh, says, recently listened to your new podcast, Best Quality Vacuum. Nice show. I noticed you were asking people to rate the show, likely to drive attention and get it noticed. As an academic researcher, I was wondering how much you think about metrics and the backstage of the podcast process. To what extent does the backstage inform your decisions? For example, I mentioned Best Quality Vacuum with this question because it's a shout out uh, and is more likely to get read that way. Cheers, John. <laughs> we, we read everything. <laughs> Yeah, you, you didn't we, us. We, we, <laughs> we are new to advertising. There's a, a every once in a while we don't read something because it makes us uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but we are not more likely to read something that is a shout out. Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, thing. Sorry. Um, I mean, the answer is not very, and definitely not as much as we used to. You know, yeah. And in, in terms uh, of like fo- following metrics or stuff like that, you know, like I, I tabulate that stuff, but it's not like we're making a lot of decisions based on it. The closest would be like when we are looking at a, like a month of wafts, we usually want to have at least one that'll put butts in the seats there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't like looking at this stuff 
mm-hmm. and the reason, and it's a privilege not to think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I think about it a lot is that watch out for fireballs and bonfire side chat subsidize the other shows, Yes, not just in terms of listenership and probably financially, but also in terms of my, you know, like my desire for like success acquittals yes and everything like they are the big budget movies that we do so we can do a little indie movies that are the rest of the shows mm-hmm. uh and i don't think of the intersection of them very much right or you know it's just like i'm really glad those have their audiences i'm proud of them it's mm-hmm. hard work that i'm I'm proud of uh also i like being able to just do whatever just, we want yeah on unfilmable or on uh you know or just do best quality vacuum like hey mm-hmm. this is the thing we want to talk about um, we didn't have to sit down and look like, oh, is the market ready for this? Is <laughs> does this need to be like a hit? Uh, I don't like thinking in that way, and we don't have to because we have two shows yeah. that have found their audience, and that's awesome. Yes, it's um, you know, I I the the the, the thing that I love most is being independent, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, if we if we had like I don't know a podcast holding company over us that you know was making having us make decisions based on that kind of stuff that would suck and i don't want to kind of diagonally back my way into that situation we don't you know? want to create it for yourself yeah like, yeah that's, that's what i mean is, yeah yeah like independence <laughs> is really interesting like uh you don't want to make yourself make like market forces your boss right they're always going to be to a certain extent mm-hmm. right but one of the things i was thinking about so I, I without naming them or anything like this i have a friend who uh did not have a job and uh gave himself a job making this like little musical device. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't want to give details. Cause I don't want to be searchable. Uh, him and, and his bandmates started like mass producing these things mm-hmm. in his garage and he was selling them for very, very cheap. And I remember like looking at it and doing the math and being like, you just gave yourself a really bad factory job. <laughs> you know, like you're not doing uh, like inventing the thing I'm sure was fun. And I'm sure you get some, you know, some satisfaction you know, uh, mm-hmm. of this thing, but you're just like paying yourself $9 an hour to do yeah. assembly mm-hmm. in a thing. Like you've just given yourself a boss basically. Yeah. You know, uh, and the only, like if you valued your labor a little bit more then this would be fine, mm-hmm. like this would be good. Uh, so yeah, don't, uh, I think that if independence is something that's valuable to somebody, you have to be really careful not to like conjure the <laughs> right. of a boss you know yes. or, or a, a controller yeah um, yeah and i don't want to do that yeah not for I'm, me i'm super sensitive to it i i do not like that feeling mm-hmm. you know so yeah uh what does uh jake say and then maybe we'll move on to lightning round um uh, let's see jake says uh hi guys my question is do you have any advice for content creators who may be just starting out uh, in the podcast and streaming world like general philosophy you found helpful or tech tips uh like what software and hardware you'd recommend more about how to have fun rather than how to compete these days if that makes sense love the shows and thank you for your hard work it's appreciated I feel like as, as I'm happy that they're not, not asking about like, Hey, how do I grow an audience or succeed? We have aged out of being able to answer that question. I think we never, we, we, we never had yeah. a good, an especially great answer for that, but the, I, I do not feel confident saying anything other than start a retro games podcast in 2011. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I mean, there are things about it, you know, that are advice we've given a bunch of times, uh, you know, keep a regular schedule, mm-hmm. um, interact with your audience, uh, have a selling point. Uh, yeah. that's, uh, I always go back to that. Like it's really tough to just be like me and my friends jaw about games, mm-hmm. the show, like that's a real tough sell yes. now. Whereas like if, uh, for example, uh, there's like several YouTubers who, uh, chronicle speed runs, mm-hmm. uh, and one of them has been one of them. I, I recently came upon, uh, just does it for old adventure games. Okay. And that's awesome because, uh, nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about those games and nobody talks about speed running them. They're weird games to speed run, mm-hmm. but there are all these weird, uh, eccentricities and, and things, uh, and intricacies in speed running like King's quest seven Yeah, with unskippable cutscenes, total nightmare game. Um, that's cool. Nobody talks mm-hmm. about that. So, we, you know, they, they've got a hook. Yeah. Uh, specificity is good of, uh, of, of, of topic. I, I think also like that makes it a lot easier for you to figure out what to do next. A big problem, uh, you know, with any kind of creative thing is like, maybe you've got like four or five topics for whatever you're going to be doing, uh, like in your head and planned out. But then when you reach the end of that, the stuff you make afterwards is going to be harder because you're going to be reaching uh, for uh, for for what you want to do. Having specificity of mission gives you kind of rails to uh, to kind of uh, follow along and uh, find something, you know, find find something else that'll be cool uh, to mm-hmm. do rather than just kind of being general and coming up with uh, whatever your call in show uh, is going to be. Um, uh, like a like a logistical thing, but if this is something that you are doing with other people. Um, go as far out of your way as, as you can to set a regular recording time as in like, all right, recording is this day, uh, at this particular time, rather than needing to schedule it anew every week or every few days, regardless of how you do it. Uh, the more people that you get involved and the more people that you're trying to like work out a schedule and availability for that is going to wear you down. That is going to mm like acid it's a that's kind of a general when you had uh in the question where i had mentioned different philosophical kind of things to it that's a big one mm-hmm. um like identify friction points uh and you have to be really uh kind of honest with yourself about what is going to what you can handle in the long term like what's mm-hmm. worth it there's going to be things that are a pain you know in any any pursuit mm-hmm. uh you have to be really honest about if this is the kind of pain that is going to eventually, you know, wear a hold in hole in you like erosion, yeah. or if this is something you can weather. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, uh, this is going to, this is a cliche, but it's true. Like have fun doing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, like if it's, if it's not fun, like if you give yourself a remit and, uh, it just, you, you don't want to do it. Like, it's not fun. Like when you do, it, it's not fun to do every time you thought uh, it would you be like fun, it. but then it, you ran into it. Once the boots hit the ground, then it was, bad yeah uh that that happens that's really uh you know that's really understandable right like uh and it's it's but yeah you want it to be sustainable and make it a thing you want to do you know have fun yeah making sure that it's fun i mean just see the previous conversation about not inadvertently giving yourself a boss you know yes like yeah you don't want to dread coming into work the whole point of (laughs) of creative you know making it any kind of creative field is not dreading Mm-hmm. Or at least to my opinion, it's yeah. not waking up hating that what you have to do. Yeah. Uh, I spent most of my life waking up hating what I have to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the goal was to not do that. Yeah. 
Um, and then technology wise, like we've said this before as well. Uh, if you spend any money, do it in a microphone. Mm-hmm. Be, don't, you don't need to have an incredibly fancy setup just to start. Um, it will feel bad if you spend a lot of money and then end up don't liking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will also influence, uh, feelings of obligation. Like yes. it will become kind of a boss. So if you're going to put money in, get a decent microphone. Uh, other than that though, spend little or no money for a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, until, uh, you're sure that you want to do it. Not necessarily until it starts making money. It doesn't have to pay for itself, but until you're mm-hmm. sure, like it's going to be a fun hobby. Yes. Yeah. As far as software goes, you know, audacity is good. Mm-hmm. Check out Reaper. There's a free version of that, that, uh, that, that I've heard people enjoy. You don't have to go automatically to logic pro or pro tools or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but free, free tools are available for you. Yeah. At least while you're getting your feet, feet yes. wet. you know, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, lightning round. Uh, yeah. This is me or I, you? Uh, this'll be, this'll be you actually. Yeah. All right. Uh, James, I'd love to hear a discussion about scorn, which just released. It's good. I like scorn quite a bit. I, uh, streamed about four hours of it this past weekend. Uh, I understand people's complaints, but I do not care. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> it, is, kids. It, it, it is it is my whole it is made for me uh it is fucking gorgeous uh the puzzles have been very good uh the combat people are saying oh there is not enough combat or the combat that is there is very bad and frustrating i don't know it feels like a survival horror game to me uh and so it, it, yeah also like there's no people say oh there's no story you're just kind of going around doing stuff that's sweet i like it <laughs> <laughs> there doesn't need to be like people talking to me. Like if this was a talky game, that would make it worse for me. Uh, scorn rules, you know, might take a shit in the back third, back half or whatever. But right now I'm crazy into it. Yeah. I, uh, for me, uh, the p- plays frustratingly has cool aesthetics and other stuff is a currency. I have to be careful spending. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm waiting. Yeah. Uh, perhaps someday, uh, you know, if, if we get to the end of this, I'll trust you. If you're like, no, this, this will be worth it. Like, mm-hmm. let's do this for the show, but I'm not in a hurry for it. I think I'm, I'm less driven by Geiger, mm-hmm. uh, visuals than, than some folk. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I like, I, like puzzles, but I'm not super into like the, the, everything's a prehensile mood penis <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> like, I also think a good deal of the discourse is misset expectations as well. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, the, the reevaluation on this, like once this initial backlash gets out of the way is that this is going to be a landmark landmark one. No, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Time, time will tell. Yeah. With that, with with that, at least with the reevaluation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if, if you have Game Pass, that's no brainer. Uh, Doctor Wen says Star Citizen just recently hit five hundred million dollars in funding and is still in alpha after about eleven years. What are your thoughts on Star Citizen uh, and what it's become? Uh, it is incredibly bleak. <laughs> No, I, I have, I don't know any, I, all I know about this is basically that reputation, yeah. but I've never been like, I should learn what this actually is. If, if I don't know what a screenshot of star citizen looks like, I don't, uh, I don't care. Uh, it's, it's weird. Like Matt, Matt Colville, who's a YouTuber, I like plays it every once in a while mm-hmm. uh, and talks about it. And I just ignore it because it's just like, this doesn't seem for me and it's discoursey and yeah. I just don't want to put my hand on the fire. I'm not yeah. saying that in any kind of criticism for anybody who is interested in it or likes it or knows it or anything. It's just a weird thing that passed me by. I was just like, ah, that seems spicy. Yeah. It is very interesting to read about what is going on at that studio. 
uh, and specifically, who's who's the designer, the, the the wing commander guy, Chris, whatever his name, wing commander, uh, yeah, his last name, Chris Wing Commander, yes, yeah. uh, the, the 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 decisions that they're making and hire, you know, and hiring these big name actors and making it a big, it just it, it all feels like a big a big scam where a bunch of workers are being abused above and beyond just uh, the the very successful whale harvest uh, that they have initiated. Yeah, I. I like I picked that up from the side that that was going on, but I also know there are people who are not idiots who go to bat for the game. Mm. Like they've actually made a thing that is neat as well. So I, I, I don't know. Like the whole, it confuses mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Uh, as a, as a, as a thing, like there, there are too many different angles to go into it. And I, uh, it just wasn't initially interesting enough for me to want to explore all the angles. Yes. So, uh, Mark, uh, says, you know, those guitars that are like, Double guitars. <laughs> no more apples in the vending machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um, never, I never, I never got the appeal of the double uh, guitar outside of just having a cool object. You know, you think like, it's a cool object? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> for certain <laughs> definitions, right? Like, I like, I, I know, you know, one of them's a six string, and the other can be like a bass or a twelve string. You know, one's open tuned, so you don't have to fret it. Like, I, I, I get it, but also just seems kind of excessive like just real like you just you know <laughs> that excess caused the counter excess of grunge in the 90s you it, know it's weird with pedals so like uh, a key, as a keyboardist like i will play two keyboards and the reason why i'll do that is because i need to have two simultaneous sounds uh-huh coming at once i got a right hand and a left hand that's playing playing two different you know two different that, instruments that's, literally that's the thing you don't need both hands at the same time to make one sound two different hands yes. can make two different sounds guitars that's not how it works so it makes sense to have two different keyboards sometimes yeah. uh guitars it takes both hands and you have an array of pedals i've never met a guitarist who doesn't have enough pedals to cover like an entire bath- bathroom floor mm-hmm. you know like a pedal board is a real thing yeah that seems like the classy way and easier way mm-hmm. and less dorky way and every possible way better to just get that different <laughs> sound. The only thing is you like, you can't switch between like a six string and a 12 string mm-hmm. uh, that way. But if you're writing and performing songs live that involves switching between a, you know, a six string and a 12 string, uh, you, you fucking Jethro tall. What are you doing? Yeah. You know, like, like maybe chill with or, that. or it's like, Oh, we like, we need to switch tuning or whatever, but like, yeah, well, why? Mid-song? You know, song. Well, <laughs> people do weird people do weird shit just because they can yeah and even then you can do some of that stuff with pedals you know i think at that point if you're into that you should have a guy who runs a laptop yeah who's next to you who takes care of that shit or a fucking roadie to bring out the second guitar when it's time for that part of the song yeah (laughs) or if not even a roadie you can put the guitar down next to you and pick it up oh that's too far (laughs) write your song in a way that has a a space for that Uh you know I don't know. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of options to not have to resort to a double guitar. <laughs> uh, personally. It kind of, kind of seems like a brute force way to solve uh, a problem that you mostly made for yourself. It's also, I think, the dorkiest instrument. It's, it's I mean, it's so dorky that it's a joke in Spinal Tap that there's a three-necked guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's really nerdy. Like, I don't know. If it wasn't so expensive, it'd be very funny for Andrew, who plays guitar in Modridge, to like uh-huh. show up with one. Like <laughs> we use a twelve-string guitar, and we have to switch out between songs sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But if he was just like, "Hey, man, check it out," uh, <laughs> get a big laugh out of both of us. <laughs> like, <laughs> the room. It, was, it was just okay. Just two six strings uh, tuned yeah. the same way. Just yeah. 
Here you go, man. Check it out. <laughs> Pretty cool, dude. <laughs> Pretty gnar. Yeah. Um, also, just seems uncomfortable. Like you, you, you it's like, extremely uncomfortable. Re- man. Reach, reaching down to that lower one, like I don't know, wristing. Yeah, wrist angle is uh, is pretty important when you're fretting. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know. No part of it seems good to me. So we do know those <laughs> guitars. We don't like them. Yeah, we we cannot get them with the school soil oil money. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I had to point out, no apples in the vending machine was not okay. school yes. oil money. That was Homer right. at the uh, I know. thing. <laughs> Very well. the, uh, uh, I just I, I love this username, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. Yeah. Matt Pixler, hello. hello. Uh, <laughs> says uh, any reboot reboots or remakes that you feel were notably successful, or any that surpassed their originals. Uh, uh, Resident I Evil Two and a Walk, The Last of Us. Oh, no, I just <laughs> call back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had to say they finally got it right with The Last of Us. Uh, joke. Yeah, uh, Resident Evil Two and a Walk. Yep, and Resident Evil Remake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Resident Evil 2 is probably like uh, thinking about it, like maybe my second favorite, mm-hmm. the remake of Resident Evil 2, like maybe in the, in the series. Yeah. Like the, you know, the, the more time I spend with it, it's really good. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's phenomenal. So that, that's a, that's a great remake and surpassed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously remake like our remake because yeah. that's, you know, clearly, mm-hmm. uh, those are the big ones. Yeah. The, uh, Christian says, uh, Will Hughes recently interviewed John Carpenter and asked him which game series he'd like to adapt to film. And he said, dead space, which would rock. What's another property that you think Carpenter would do justice to? And how would you see it playing out? Huh? In video games, that would be really strange. Yeah. What is a video game that has his, uh, what what about, uh, John? Well, that that doesn't make any sense. I was going to (laughs) say Carrion, but like, I was like, that's so in, that's too, yeah it's like <laughs> yeah carry carrying would be uh would be just a little bit too much uh flipping through my rolodex of, World of, of, of horror... <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it, it's tough because like any of them that i could say like oh yeah I totally do this uh already quote carpenter enough that it would be also ouroboros like mm-hmm. uh i don't know that have that i have a good answer for this i'm mostly just overwhelmed with jealousy that uh, the, that, uh, that will got to do that and he did so well. So he did a great job. That's, yeah. that's some of Will's best interview work. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, I, yeah, I don't know what other things I would like to have, uh, you know, other spooky body horror mm-hmm. type things. No, yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm sure like outlast. Yeah. You know? yeah. That, that's got a lot of Clive Barker esque creepy crawlies in it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, they just f- f- fucked up dudes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, let's see. What does uh, what does Jack say? Jack says, um, "Who would you?" Let's okay. Jack says, "Let's play seven Mary three banjo kazooie." Uh, they each count as half a living being, so for this exercise, they're together. They ain't got no souls. <laughs> they ain't got well, like got half a soul. Uh, uh, Hideo Kojima or Walter White. Okay, so seven Mary three. Okay, uh, so this is really tricky because doing the moral calculus on him uh, is really really tough when you think about you know, uh, all the work that he did for the cartel and all of the, the bodies he dissolved in acid. So Hideo Kojima has to be a three. <sighs> then when it goes to Walter White, I, I just, I literally, I, I asked cause I wanted, I thought that joke was better than it was. I, <laughs> I was trying to manipulate it so I could answer that question first. <laughs> yeah. So I could do that swerve. Uh, so I, we, 
little behind the curtains. We have a little Google Doc that we look at for these things. And we put little X's for next to questions. We're like, eh, like yeah. I don't want to answer that. I don't want to answer this week. But I needed Cole to ask, ask this one so I could make that joke. Uh, so I put in a fake X on the question before yeah. this uh, to you try to get there. But I think I flubbed the execution a little bit. I, I, think, I think if I did that to you, you would be furious with me. I, no. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be. I would get it. I wouldn't be furious about that at all. Not in the lightning round. Oh, like in the yeah, lightning, anything round, goes yeah. in the lightning round. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I I think that was the joke about Hideo Kojima doing work for the cartels. Okay, yes. Uh, there we go. I yeah. guess out of those, I would marry, uh, and this is M-A-R-R-Y, or yes. it's M-A-R-Y actually is what it should be. Yes. Uh, Jack kind of messed it up. Se- uh, seven, Banjo, comma, Mary, comma, three. Yes. I would say Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. Uh, for that, uh, reluctantly. And then uh, I would three uh, Kojima and seven Walter White. So that's really weird. I would three Walter White because you got to get him out of the way. You okay. know, um, I would I, I would seven Banjo Kazooie, uh, mostly just so Hideo Kojima ends up in the in, in, in the Mary column again. It's just married. There's not two yeah. R's. There's no yeah. matrimony here. I just think that he's a better fit for that. Yeah, yeah. I I fair. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, moving on to Faith's question, which we I fake skipped. I recently took the guppy pill and was wondering, have you ever dual purposed the good night at the end? Good night to the listeners and your co-host in one go. And to Cole, do you ever tell Gary to watch out for stuff when you guys say goodbye? That would be really rude if just okay, end of recording. Bye. Good, and good then bye. And, and then we and just call off. We yeah. we off we, we oftentimes like look at the calendar to see what's coming up next uh, and say, like, oh, we good for this? Do we need to move anything around? <laughs> Yeah, stuff. just you, you check in. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, it's also there's a, a it takes a little while for the stuff to upload. Too. Yes. So if we just yeah. did that, it would, we'd also lose recordings. <laughs> uh, be no good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I have never done that. And I've also never told Gary to watch out for something in real life. So I, I think we've probably been at PRGE and you oh maybe as a like, joke. Hey, watch out yeah. for this. Yeah. 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 Watch out for that bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jack writes, apologies if this has already been discussed. What video game slash media project was the catalyst for killing the hype inside you? I didn't know if that was a specific reference that you made, Gary. Nope. That's just the thing I like to say, because mm-hmm. I think hype is uh, unhealthy. Yes. It's you, you succumbing yourself to market forces to give people money before they've earned it mm-hmm. and get your hopes up, which can only hurt you. Yep. Um, will never help you. Uh, so yeah, no, no, it, it was never specifically burned. I just kind of realized the whole principle was fucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, is my opinion. Um, Tom says, who is the best fictional Hank? I mean, it's gotta be Hank Hill. Oh, interesting. I was going to go Hank venture. Mm. Uh, you know, cause I'm, I'm thinking the Hank Hill, Hank venture, Hank from breaking bad. Hank Schrader. Big Hanks. Yeah. Hank Schrader. Uh, Tom's Hank. <laughs> uh, the actor. Tom Hank. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Hank, uh, the actor, but I was, I would go, uh, you know, Hank Hill is great. I still mm-hmm. think I might go Hank venture. Yeah, uh, I just uh, I like 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 it, it's weird because Hank wasn't really Hank Venture wasn't really Hank for the first couple of seasons of the show, uh, yes. you know. Whereas like Hank Hill came out of the gate being Hank Hill and was and was Hank Hill until he kind of became a parody of himself about like nine seasons in, you know. I, I kind of feel like Hank Hill in the beginning kind of sucks and wasn't mm. quite Hank Hill, like. It early on, I was just like, man, this guy, this is kind of a, a shitty father and, and husband mm. uh, for the first couple of seasons and then gets good. Yeah. Like he he yeah. loves his family, but he gets a lot better. Yeah. Uh, I think. 
Um, yeah. So it's I, weird. I, there, there's a weirdly like uh, early episodes of King of the Hill. I was talking about this uh, with Bob the other day. Like uh, have a have a weird edge to them that doesn't work message wise to me. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking about um, the episode where like truly inspirational moment where Bobby is talking about being fat mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, I'm fat. I'm also funny. I have a girlfriend, you know, mm-hmm. I uh, have a lot of friends. Other people might want me to care about that, but I don't have to. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this person's a role model. This isn't a self-actualized little kid. Uh-huh. But then the message of that episode is that like, no, no, you should worry because kids will make fun of you. Right. And Hank's shown is right in that episode because the real thing you should do is, is be worried about being fat because kids will throw cupcakes and shit at you at the mall. It, That's it's, a it's, weird stance for Hank to have. The, he's the, right in the episode. The, the, those are different episodes though. The, what is I, the, what, what is the one? Well, I mean, same topic. Okay. I guess. Right. So yeah. like Hank saying like, you should be ashamed. Yeah. I like this. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it's him talking to like, like, like Joseph or something when he's real hung up. Like that's a, that, that is later. That is later than the season two uh, Husky boy model uh, episode is when, is when he gives is when he gives that. So well, he's talking to uh, Peggy during that okay. scene. Yeah. Okay. I remember that, but it's the same. It's, it's Hank's attitude towards it versus his. Yeah. Yeah. The Husky boy one's early and that's where Hank kind of is a shit about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I love Hank. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I think Hank also kind of figures some stuff out. Yeah. You true. Yeah, both characters show growth. Yeah. And those are all the Hanks. I don't think there are any other Hanks. <laughs> no other Hanks. Who else is a, 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 a Hank? <laughs> 24 is the highest number. Yeah. And three there the are only three Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, final lightning round here. Uh, we have Ralph who says, what are your thoughts on the dead space remake? Are you excited? Is it needed? Uh, ki- <laughs> uh, ki- kinda, uh, excited. No, it's not needed. Needed. It's a real, we do yeah. a lot of work in that sentence. <laughs> it's it's, it's like, not like it's averting a meteor that's on the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a deep I, impact dead space remake situation. Yeah, um, uh, I you know I I really don't think it's necessary. Like, will I check it out and play it? Yeah, sure, because it might be worth streaming at some point, you know. But uh, I just it does not feel it necessary. I've I've seen screenshots like, oh, here's a here's a spaceport, and it was brown, and there were some blue lights in this one, and now there's you know in the new in, in the new one it's like darker, and there's more like speculative lighting and f- filters and stuff. I just, if it's just a straight visual upgrade, like visuals matter for horror, but also I felt like the original Dead Space was fine. Yeah. Yeah. It looks worse. Like I don't, I don't, I don't like how it looks. Uh, yeah. The new one. It's wet. Um, Everything's wet. Too wet. You know, mm-hmm. not just the monsters, which like should be, I, I don't like that game as much as I mean, I liked that game. I think that mm-hmm. people thought I hated it because I was mixed on it when we recorded right. it, but I do like it in general. Mm-hmm. I, uh, my problems with it are not visual. Yeah, like I could stand a remake of that that took the really strong concepts of it uh, and fixed it. But my understanding is that's kind of what Dark or uh, Dead Space Two is. Yeah. So uh, you know, to me, it is. It's not very interesting. They're selling it as a remake, and I don't think that that bodes well for them doing any kind of like real big reevaluation with what the problems with that game are. The yeah. you know just uh, okay, you went to fix fix X, but now you need part Y. Uh, yep. Oh, and to Got get part Y, you need part the- Z. 
Yeah. yeah you know, the, the, yeah. that whole thing. Uh, I just, I, I do not think that they're going to reevaluate a lot of that because by marketing it as a remake and only showing off like those like direct visual comparisons, I think that mm-hmm. they're catering to an audience that will be very upset if they don't get the, uh, the game that they remember. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it's a holy space to, to some people. Yes. You know, like when they do the Resident Evil 4 remake that's coming out, I want to see any context you can show me those areas uh, mm-hmm. at all. But if they just change it to be completely different, it won't feel good to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I still might be good in its own right, yeah. you know, but it's uh, it won't be Resident Evil 4. Right. You know? yeah. uh, let's move on to our topic. Let's do. We kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. Uh, we have a question about this from douglas it's up in the game section yes it's, it is uh, yeah and it's it's kind of a broader question but we're also going to use we're going to we'll talk about that broad question but we're mm-hmm. also uh drilling down to something specific douglas says i am set to receive a steam deck in the next few months pre-orders right now are delivered in between october november and december however i am a lifelong uh, console only gamer except for commodore 64 i suppose i much prefer consoles the idea of sitting at a desktop to play a video game is something that i can't get with but now I can get what is essentially a better switch. I'm excited. Uh, because of my history, however, I have no idea what I'm getting into. I don't know Steam. I don't know PC gaming. Uh, I don't know what a launcher is. Early access is sort of mind-boggling. An unfinished game? Why? Uh, I don't know about mods, uh, where to find them or use them. Uh, I don't know if I should be worried about viruses. Uh, would you be willing to do a sort of primer on your Steam Deck experience uh, if you're feeling generous and addendum on PC gaming in general? Any recommendations off of the bat? I'm getting a Steam Deck uh, for easier access to indies. Inscription will be my first purchase. Uh, and better and bigger 4X strategy management sim games. Civ 6 on Switch recently got us hook- hooks uh, into me deep, and I'm looking for more. Yeah, so uh, a little as a broad topic, you know, PC and console gaming, like what it would be like to get into PC gaming now. And then as a more specific thing, uh, me and Cole got Steam Decks. Yeah, lots of people got them. What do we think about They're like finally available now. You can just buy it and they'll send it to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. I think that the easier uh, part of this question is the the Steam Deck. Yes. Like primer on our Steam Deck experience. Uh Uh-huh. And then the harder part is the you know, the ABC is a PC gaming. Right. Uh, right. A bit. So maybe do the easy part first. Yeah. Let's do the easy part first. Uh, I like it. Which, which model did you get? Mar. <laughs> I, I don't have it in front of me and I don't remember numbers and letters. Uh, <laughs> I got the, I, <laughs> how much internal did you, do you know how much internal storage? Oh, uh, internal storage is only 64. I got it okay. expanded. I got a, a little micro SD card. Gotcha, gotcha. I got the so, one with the 512. Uh, I just got the expensive one mm-hmm. uh, just because if I was going to get it, I want it to last. Do it right. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and uh, it's it's good. I, I, I'm I real impressed with the feel of the thing, like just as an object. Uh, a lot of people are bummed out by the, uh, by the size of it. For a smaller person physically than me, I can see it being a real bummer, kind of like holding the boogie board and playing it. Mm-hmm. But for me, with my broad shoulders and stuff, it's it actually is like a really good fit. I'm not like, you know, and just p- picture me playing a Game Boy Advance S- or a, a GBA SP, yeah. Gary. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I can. I, I'm roughly the size of you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, can, I can picture it and also live it. Yeah, um, the, uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm in favor of the size as well. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, I was surprised by how much I like the ergonomics of it. Yeah. Uh, it uses those pads similar to the steam controller that came out mm-hmm. a while ago. And I hated the steam controller. Yeah. I don't think it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, this works really well. Yeah. Uh, feels really good. The back buttons, the, uh, middle finger and ring finger. Oh, those are so satisfying to hit. Those are so clicky. <laughs> They're satisfying, clicky, and really useful, mm-hmm. uh, for this thing. It's a really well thought out device. Yeah. Um, I really like how I like the heft of it in terms of it not feeling cheap mm-hmm. or anything. It does make certain positions, uh, for long periods of time, a little bit ergonomically weird, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not the kind of thing you just like lift without resting your arms or anything for a long time. Right. Uh, in my experience, it also gets hot. It but does it cannot burn. <laughs> um, and that, that's not, you know, that's weird. Uh, yeah. I don't care for that. Uh, that's not, you know, I, I just want to get my complaints out of the way because mm-hmm. I generally really like it. It is very strange to like sit it on your lap for a second uh, to like go and reference like something on a laptop or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like check, check something on your phone and then just like feel the heat of it through your pants. It's like, yep. oh, no, I shouldn't have set that down. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's safe, but it just gets hotter than you think. I, I think yeah. they'll get better with that, you know, as, as they iterate on it, like newer mm-hmm. generations of it yeah. will probably be better about that. Uh, in terms of the rest of the stuff, though, I'm very impressed by it. I really like the um, software that's yes. on it. Uh, it's got a really smart um, use of buttons and everything. So, like hitting the Steam button, getting those options uh, that pop up feels very intuitive. The uh, pulling up the settings button mm-hmm. with just a, another button on the right, so I can adjust brightness uh, just on the fly. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's really really useful. Um, the options within are really smart and it takes, uh, it's got that like Linux perspective versus Apple. You know, if, if a switch is Apple, this is Mm -hmm. more like a, an Android in that it wants you to be able to fiddle with it, Mm -hmm. but it does the really smart thing of, you can just turn it on and it just operates as the console. Uh, You have to switch into a different mode if you want to fuck with that stuff. Mm -hmm. So you can be rewarded for doing it, but it's not like, oh, sit down and figure out, you know, all of this esoteric stuff before you can play with it. If it's you optional. Want, yeah. If you want this to be just as kind of like guided of an experience as a switch is like that is totally there for you. Um, and you can kind of, it's, you know, it's a make your own Sunday bar in terms of how much like hardware or software, you know, fiddling you want to do. Right. Yeah. Uh, either, either in terms of in-game settings or like battery uh, and energy usage optimizations that you do at like the uh, the firmware level, you know, mm-hmm. through that uh, through that setting uh, setting mode there. It like it's very, very good at giving you like multiple different uh, uh, kind of like levels of granularity of uh, of control over this kind of stuff. You can just decide, oh, I don't care about that. And you don't have to learn to care about it to accomplish playing a game that you want to play. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I really like that about it. I also really like that it's not the philosophy behind it is not, we need to control this thing you bought. Right. Um, so, uh, I alluded to this earlier, uh, you can go through like going through the desktop mode. There's an app you can download on there that lets you run GOG and Epic, mm-hmm. uh, through there, those launchers through your steam deck. Mm-hmm. Um, steam doesn't care. Like they, yeah. they knew this would happen. They don't mind that people are doing emulators on it or doing this kind of stuff. They also, when a game works on Steam Deck, it's the game that works. It's mm-hmm. not like through the launcher. So like if a game is cleared to work through Steam Deck, but I bought it on the Epic Store, uh, it just works because it works on the hardware. It doesn't so care good. that I'm running it through the wrapper. Yeah. 
I love that freedom. I don't like the, man, you're region locked, you know, yeah, it's yeah. pal exclusive, you know, like all, <laughs> all these different cartoon voices of, of people trying to tell me how to use things I own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like that. Yeah. Um, I, I much prefer being able to fuck around with that stuff and have it be opt in. Mm-hmm. And I have access to like a lot more of my games because of uh, that freedom. Oh God. I mean, like it has absolutely changed, you know, like even in the short time that I've had mine, you know, my decision about, okay, do I get like, do I wait for the switch version of that? Or do I just feel good? Like buying this on steam when it's on sale? Cause like I can play it in, I mean, like with this, like with this one, I can play it like the games that I buy in that ecosystem in any context, the, any of them that I play either because I can play it portably um i can uh play it on uh steam uh like like on a you know desktop pc and have the Mm -hmm. save you know uh get brought over to the cloud uh, and i can pick it up elsewhere and uh i'm 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 a dork i bought before they released the official one i just got like a 25 dollar um dock uh that Mm -hmm. off of amazon that uh that uh runs it over to my uh tv i enjoy playing games on my um uh you know in my big in my big comfy chair on my big television uh, like that is how I play stuff uh, for work generally uh, so I can mm-hmm. take notes, notes and things like that. Uh, and you can even stream from your PC stuff that will not run on the handheld itself. You can stream from the PC to the handheld. Yeah. <laughs> so like it, it like it is incredibly versatile. It's it's really versatile. And you, you, got, you uh, hit on a good point there that I don't want to segue off the, the hardware section just yet, yeah. but that would be a good segue. Um is that when you're talking about waiting for the switch version versus getting it for sale on steam mm-hmm. pc gaming is so much cheaper oh my god than yeah. any other type of gaming mm-hmm. um and that is uh, a huge advantage to this yeah. so like uh monster train one of my favorite games of all time i'm you know coming to realize mm-hmm. uh when it came out for switch i was happy to get it i hadn't bought the dlc yet and i wanted to uh get uh you know play it some more <laughs> And I got yep. it on the switch. If I had the steam deck at this point, you know, I not, I was happy to give the developers more money. I like those guys, mm-hmm. but, uh, I would have just had the version I already had. And it's always cheaper there. Even now, yep. like I constantly see deals for monster train pop mm-hmm. up uh, on my Twitter feed. Um, it just, it feels like it, it's just going to save me a lot of money in the long run with the one drawback of not being able to play first party Nintendo games. Yeah. You know. But you have a switch. It's not like you don't have a switch. Oh, exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. in terms of just being an Omni device, if I had this instead, yeah. You know, uh, I love the the way that the saves transfer over is really seamless. Mm-hmm. Um, before I ended up switching to uh, because it's actually ergonomically a little rough on Metal Gear Five, but before yeah. I switched over to the PC version, it just I was ping ponging back and it's, forth between. It was no problem. Yeah. Uh, you, you yeah. need to make sure that, uh, at a, uh, uh, game level, it supports the steam cloud. Most of them, yes. mo- like mo- most games do. I had like a little bit of a bummer, uh, with, uh, firing up pathologic two and playing a little bit of that, uh, just to test something that was a little bit more intensive than vampire survivors, which is what I spent many, many hours playing on it, uh, before, uh, that does not have like steam cloud. So like you, you want to go and check and make sure if there's one that you're really counting on ping ponging, but like pathology two has been the exception rather than, than the rule for me so far. Yeah. No, I, in terms of like what works on it, um, you know, a lot of stuff does. Yeah. it's also a thing uh, that I found in my time with it that, uh, you know, so it categorizes things into three categories, like definitely works on the Steam Deck, works, but we don't know if it's optimi- optimized. 
mm-hmm. or four categories, unknown and doesn't work. Yes. Um, those first three are all viable, actually. Yes. Um, unknown is worth trying. And if mm-hmm. you are curious, uh, people have, are testing these on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go in and put in the name of a game Steam Deck and into Google or on YouTube and somebody will tell you whether it works. Yeah. Uh, and works, but non-optimized. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, confirmed to work, but not optimized. I've never, I haven't had a problem with like some Do of you, the games don't lend themselves super well because using the track pad for a fully mouse driven game mm-hmm. is a little bit of a sideways ask. Yeah. Uh, but something like, um, like Deus Ex, mm-hmm. the first Deus Ex, one of my favorite features is like, so it works. It's not optimized because that game was never meant to be played with a controller. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you go through and you go to the community control thing tab and it just downloads a a control scheme that the community made. And it's like, I'm playing Deus Ex as if it were made for a controller. Mm -hmm. Incredible. They they took the absolute best thing about the steam controller, um, that level of like control scheme, uh, customization, kind of like letting the community kind of decide on that and brought it over to fucking everything. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Uh, and, and it's, it's all rated and stuff. So like one of my, I love my switch, you know, but one of the irritating things about the switch is that there's no curation mm-hmm. or anything. Like you go through the sales, if I'm just browsing for games, go through the sales section, there's nothing indicating what people like and what people don't like. Yeah. So I just have to kind of guess or go whip out a browser in this, for those control schemes, I can be like, Oh, this is this uh, control scheme for Deus Ex has been endorsed by 2000 people. Oh yeah. This next one has been endorsed by 20. Like I'll just mm-hmm. do this really popular one because it's probably the best one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh a, a big problem, I think, for a lot of people, you know, who have who have been doing PC gaming for a long time. So not necessarily Douglas, but uh, you know, a thing that they could have run into uh is having way too many games to have even your own live having even your own library be discoverable uh mm-hmm. in there. Uh, the filtering ability and the sorting ability that they have in there is actually really powerful. So like there's just a tab for games that you own that work great on switch or yeah. not on switch on the steam deck. Uh, so that uh, you can just kind of say like, what can I play right out of the box? That is not going to require a minimal level of fiddling to make yeah. it. Uh, I don't even you know, want to, a to make chance. It I don't even yeah. weird. And it just, yeah. it, and it is exactly like buying games on, on switch because you're just going to get it to run. Right. Yeah. I, I really love it. I, I think yeah. it's it's a really cool device. Um, has uh, met or exceeded my expectations so far. Yeah. Um, I have not sat down and like beat a game on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not there yet. Uh, I went through and got my micro SD card to get some more space and went on a big downloading uh, spree of stuff mm-hmm. I've been meaning to play yeah. uh, to like really put some time in. So that'll be kind of the ultimate test. Yeah. You know, like if it ends up being like a a, a trusty sidearm in my gamer arsenal. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ, Gary. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Yeehaw, you know, if you know what I mean. Uh, Kerblam. Yeah, kind of kind of coming in hot with it, you know, if I'm going to reload it. Um, <laughs> um, that'll be the, the ultimate test, but I, I have faith. Yeah. Uh, I think it'll be, it'll work out pretty well. I'm happy that it's successful, not because I think uh, Valve needs more money. They obviously, they obviously don't, but their their experiments with hardware have been hobbies in the past, yeah. right? Like, you know, the Steam Link was really good, really good piece of hardware, but they discontinued it. Now it's like a, a feature that you can just put on other, uh, you know, on, on other pieces of hardware if you want to. 
uh, the Steam controller, obviously a hobby. Anybody remember the Steam box? You know, yeah. just uh, like there's no real faith in it. It'd be like buying a piece of hardware from uh, from Google. But the fact that they seem so committed and the reception has been so positive makes me think that like this is and you know this is a hardware you know piece of hardware that is going to continue being supported and getting better. And mm-hmm. there's going to, you know, in three or four years when maybe this one's getting long in the tooth, they will have iterated on it to a point where like, oh, I can just get a new, a new one. Like there'll be another one waiting for me. I feel and very taken feel, care. Yeah. Yes. It'll feel like a, like a big enough, uh, a, a big enough expansion or a big enough improvement. So a weird thing that like that feeling taken care of is something I just associate with Valve. Yeah. You know, we talked about that a lot in terms of game design with Half-Life. Like, I don't know. There's something about professionals. No. Uh, something the last little bit I want to say about that before I move on kind of, and this also segues, uh, a cool thing about it is there are lots of games that should have been on a controller or on a portable, never made it over there. Mm-hmm. So like a bunch of old games I've discovered, uh, rediscovered on that. Like I've been replaying uh, Wizorb, okay, which is an RPG breakout mm-hmm. uh, game. I don't know. There was an indie hit. I played it in like 2013 when it came out. It was one of the, you know, an early Steam game. For me, I guess not early. I had Steam for a while, but you know, what I yeah. mean. Uh, old, old game. Uh, mm-hmm. It's great. It would play great on Switch if it came out on Switch. Uh, I don't think it did. It did. Uh, okay, that game's great. Uh, yeah. It's allowing me to rediscover old games mm-hmm. uh, that I never thought of playing handheld. Yeah, um, that's a really good feeling. Uh, yeah. In terms of getting into PC gaming, the uh, I don't. You know, there's there's answers for these individual questions uh, mm-hmm. that are that are pretty easy. You know, it's hard to talk about generally. Yeah. Uh, you know, but in terms of it's like early access, like generally that's when something is feature complete. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of you know, uh, kind of demand for it. Yeah. So it's it they're not selling an unfinished game like you get to. It's not a demo. It's they're still tweaking it, uh, mm-hmm. and they use that to get live feedback. So yes. like a really successful early access game right now is Darkest Dungeon 2, which mm-hmm. has undergone just absolutely like a huge shift. Like I played mm-hmm. that when it first came to early access. They just released a new update that absolutely upends the progression and structure mm. of it because they realized what they had before wasn't working and people didn't like it. Yeah, uh, It's a way to participate in the game development yeah. of something. And I had I've had a lot of fun with playing both versions of mm-hmm. darkest dungeon two that have come out so far. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, I tend, I can shy away from early access as well. I kind of get it. It's, if it's something that you think you will care about or a developer you trust, mm-hmm. um, it serves a purpose and is fun. Yeah. It, 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 you can tell by poking around on a storefront page for a game, whether or not this is something that is supported, uh, and, uh, you know, will be, you know, worth your time or whether or not it's a fly by night thing that shouldn't be up there uh the you know like review bombs and stuff exist like that that whole you know anything social that happens on there can end up being shitty however as a rule of thumb it can work for you you know yeah so there's not an awful lot you have to worry about in terms of uh you know kind of getting getting scammed on anything there yeah uh mods are phenomenal uh mods are a way to bring new life into old games uh to see completed content mm-hmm. that you wouldn't see a way to fix old games um the way that steam does them is through something usually something called the workshop there are certain games that don't work this way you have to go through like the desktop app yep. and you're best served just be using a tutorial uh if it's something where the workshop works on it though uh 
it's as easy as clicking a button yes. and it will tell you what the mod is. So like in the Binding of Isaac or Monster Train, if you want new cards or new powers, new items, stuff like that, you just click the button. Mm -hmm. uh, for things that are bigger overhaul mods, like I wanted to play Oblivion again. I was kind of in the mood for it. Um, I was like, I don't want to play Oblivion unmodded. Yeah. Uh, you can do the modded version on your Steam Deck. You just have to fuck around on the desktop and follow a tutorial. Yeah, yeah. To, to have the fixed version of that game. It's either easy as pie to do it and you just do it through steam or you want to follow a tutorial but don't be scared of mods especially for uh older games that you are replaying mm -hmm. uh, they can add a lot of freshness yes uh even if you're pulling from outside of the uh the steam workshop ecosystem uh modding has gotten a lot easier just because so much is centralized on nexus uh, yeah, as well Nexus and yeah and that discoverability is very is very good there you can sort by popular you can get a very good kind of uh sense of what kind of mods and stuff are possible and those are usually pretty well documented or there will be off-site documentation in the form of uh you know youtube guides or things like that uh that will uh that, that will get you where you need to go pc gamer for every major game that is mod centric we usually put out an article that's like the the best mods for this mm -hmm. and they do a good job of writing up what they do so you can decide yeah. if you're interested yeah um the hardest part of this question the reason the, the thing we don't have an answer for i think is like where to get started with pc gaming because the lines have gotten so blurred they really have uh, you know i was talking like most of the games that will be fun to play on steam deck are not exclusive to the steam deck mm -hmm. the games that are exclusive to the steam deck like weird old crpgs and old uh you know, you you'd mentioned uh, Douglas mentioned being into grand strategy and like 4X mm -hmm. games. Some of those old ones might be playable on there, yeah. but it might be a little awkward because you're using the trackpad mouse and it's all mouse design. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean somebody hasn't made a, you know, a good control scheme for it, I, but it's hard for me to be like, yeah, play Torment because like one, <laughs> you could just, you could just play the, the enhanced edition of that on Switch or on anything and mm -hmm. it plays good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like a lot of the PC gaming classics have come over yeah uh, already and all the new games are on everything for grand strategy i can assure you anything that paradox has made has been um uh you know either has an official uh controller support on it or uh the fan community has come in and uh figured something out for it like yeah St stellaris is uh very heavily featured in uh you know like the marketing around games that you can play on this so you get stellaris and the expansions and you'll be a big and shit yeah yeah um yeah and, and again in terms of the classics you know mm -hmm. that's that's i don't know uh you, you got to find something that stuff that will play good on there yeah. so it's it's kind of an alternative to a general um console more than just a way to mine the past yeah like so, i looked at my good old games account to it and there are games like i bet you'll play just fine mm -hmm. like i have all those forgotten realms uh beat em up like action games like um dritzed action games Oh yeah, from yeah. that era, you know, a long time ago, I bought the GOG like every D and D game ever made bundle. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to run through those mm -hmm. on Steam Deck. Whereas running through a gold box game on Steam Deck seems like a pain. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I think more than anything, especially if this has been a world that you felt kind of like locked outside of just by being console, uh, console player, and you know just uh or we're afraid of the uh complexity there uh do not be intimidated uh very little that you do especially on a steam deck uh can't be undone you know uh mm. and the experience 
has been converging toward the console side of it, at least on the very, very front end for a very long time. So like if you are used to buying something on a switch storefront or an Xbox storefront or whatever, and, you know, just clicking the, clicking the executable and playing it, you know, there, that is going to be as similar as it can possibly be. There's not going to be a lot, not going to be a lot to keep you away from there. Yep. Agreed. Uh, happy steam decking. Yeah. To you. Uh, it gets our endorsement. It does. <laughs> not that it needed it. <laughs> it does not need it. It gets it no matter what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's read uh, responses. Okay, this episode is run a little long. We're going to mm-hmm. cruise through some of these. Yeah. Um, I also, I put devotion responses after the admin uh, because of uh, spoilers. Yeah. Uh, I will get us started here with uh, Wantress talking about Strangeland. I'm excited to listen to the strange land, uh, to listen in on strange land, dark seed two and its treatment from Retsu Pare, uh, got me through a dark time in my life. So games like this hold a lot of nostalgia for me. Strange land did not disappoint me as somebody who works in the escape room industry. The puzzles in this game were more clever than my expectations, far more clever than dark seed two. They really do shine for me. My only issue with this game is that it really highlights the problems with dark seed two. The mystery in that game gets less interesting. The more you learn about it, because the truth is far less exciting than the harvester-like, off-putting nature of the town. In Strangeland, we skip the interesting real world entirely entirely, and dive into the dark world, which feels more like the comical, silly dark world of Dark, Soul, of dark Seed 2 than the actually terrifying dark world of Dark Seed 1. The end result is that I don't actually care about the Confused Man's mystery. I'm just here to enjoy the nostalgia. Yeah, the next response is going to be kind of similar, uh, kind of similar to that. This is strange and weirdly is dark world and then darker world. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, it's it's a that's that's stuff I brought up in the episode too. Like I wanted mm-hmm. some contrast. Yes, uh, I feel you know it was a little bit ungrounded mm-hmm. uh, for me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, no notes. No, largely agreed. Uh, Dylan writes. I didn't know any of the games, uh, any of the three games from this month, so I went and joined the Games Club part of the Games Club podcast and picked one of the three to expand my tastes and get out of my gaming comfort zone. I chose Strangeland. Adventure games are anathema to me. Many of them have unintuitive leaps of logic and pixel hunting that feel more like walkthrough simulators than actual games. It's a good term. I like that. Uh, I enjoy watching Ross from Ross's Game Dungeon, not to be confused with Ross from Cole Ross, uh, get frustrated and involved in obscure, insane 90s adventure games, but not so much myself. So why Strangeland? Well, I'm a sucker for good old-fashioned, is-it-metal kind of artwork, and Strangeland delivers in Giger-esque spades. I love this game's twisted, surreal art style. Everything feels organic, literally. Like your character is traveling through is traveling through bowels. Uh, can you imagine how slimy everything must feel? Uh, more than any other genre, adventure games are uh, nothing without their art. And at the very least, uh, I figured that I would enjoy a hauntingly beautiful space, even if I didn't care for the gameplay. I'll pay $14 on Steam for a damn good art piece if it sticks with me. Thankfully, the game delivered as a game. I've only played a few modern adventure games, and it feels like developers want to make games people can successfully intuit rather than be irritated. I appreciate an adventure game that I can complete in a few hours of concentrated play rather than a few hours uh, in the same damn room. I'm looking at you. I have no mouth and I must scream. 
that seamless interaction keeps my engagement with the narrative, uh, and adventure games are all about just that narrative story and adventure. Thanks for the cool stuff this month. Can't wait for what I chose, uh, for what I choose to play for November's games for November's games. Why not play devotion? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking of somebody picking the one game this month. Like I, you know, strange end is like a a solid seven out of 10 to me, but it Uh it would be the one I would least pick if I was just picking one. If I was, if I was saying like, Hey, the one you must play, like you you can't, you can't skip it. Devotion would be the one, but uh, you know, uh, Dylan knows what they value. And if they like eager ass stuff, they found, they found a place to get it. They're yeah, Gigeresque. Uh, they're not Gigeresque spades. They're that's actually a sex organ. It's a Gigeresque <laughs> pulsating uh, mood penis. Is what that is. It deploys like a spade, but yes. it's actually purely for reproductive purposes. <laughs> yeah, it's got to dig in there for the yeah. fertile soil. Uh, moving on to uh, is that, that's pussy, right? You're talking about fertile uh, soil. Is that is that what you mean? I mean, you know, all purpose. Yeah, like a, like a kind of like an ovum seed sack that like the the pulsating giger spade i'm you know, i'm, lays its I'm clutch not upon. you know i'm not here to be uh to be normative yeah no i mean whatever I gets, the, whatever gets you off these i don't uh, know i don't know what that know. is i can't pretend yeah. to know what that is that i'm looking at and seeing my job is just to suck it <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna deny its load but like I'm, I, refused. I know i know i just uh <laughs> Moving on to uh, the load game, The Evil Within 2, uh, <laughs> Gordon says, Evil Within 2 feels like someone had the bright idea to take the fantastic aesthetics of Silent Hill and attach the excellent gameplay of The Phantom Pain. What could what could go wrong? To be fair, The Evil Within 2 is powerfully fine. But by <laughs> letting me sneak competently uh, through the game, I lose pretty much all sense of dread. It's hard to feel am- ammo anxiety when I can easily stealth kill with abandon, and when I do need to go loud, I just feel too powerful. I guess I'm trying to say that it's lost that essential element of disempowerment that horror games live and die by. They clearly recognize this by throwing in an invincible ghost that chases you as some kind of wannabe Mr. X, but that winds up just feeling like a tedious time tax. Luckily, the gameplay does save this from the garbage bin, but as a horror game, it's just a straight-up failure. Yeah. I, I think I largely agree, but not for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's a failure as a horror game because of the story and characters. Yeah, yeah. Like, creepy stuff happens in it, and you get to see some cool, scary images and stuff. But the context around it doesn't matter to me at all. Mm-hmm. It's all really complicated and stupid. Yeah. Uh, so that that's what killed it for a horror game to me. Like, I had moments that were tense where I was, like, low on ammo or what have you. Those mm-hmm. definitely burned off, but initially I got enough of that. Yeah, it it, it needed. Uh, for, yeah, the the, the that the, those intangibles, the story and stuff need you need something to invest in. Either a better hero or better villains, you know, yeah. or better supporting cast, or yeah, like any number of things. Like you need yeah. something. Like the setting is the only thing that knocks us out. You know, that's good. And even that should have just been. You know, that needed less realms and doesn't need to be mm-hmm. a VR zone. Yeah, you know. agreed uh let's do admin uh before we get to the devotion responses yeah a little reminder for everybody uh no uh no shout out no highlight this episode Mm -hmm. uh need more uh again we don't have to do this every episode but Mm -hmm. if you are a non-straight non-white non-cis dude creator and you'd like us to uh bring some attention to your project uh please send me an email at gary at duckfeed.tv 
Please I do. know plenty of projects that'd be like that, but I don't want to do this for anybody unless they reach out because mm-hmm. I don't, you know, that might be crossing a boundary that I don't know about. Yeah. Uh, but if you'd like us uh, to do that, please uh, send me a message. Please do. Um, if you have thoughts about November's games, uh, which are Deus Ex Mankind Divided, super hot, and our premium episode is going to be Half-Life Alex. Uh, the deadline for responses on those is the 15th of November. You can go to duckfeed.tv slash contact and write in there. If you have thoughts about multiple games, please separate them. Yeah. And we have a jam-packed uh, CRPG December. For yeah. Uh, we, have a, we have a lot of weeks in December, four weeks mm-hmm. of episode, and games that support that much are tricky. Yep. You know, uh, we ran into this uh, when we did Tyranny as well, and we uh, did the bonus episode with uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, if you recall, a couple of years ago. Uh, this year, you know, it would make sense to do Skyrim or Oblivion, you know, but it, we need a break. Yeah, from, from we did that Bethesda thing last year, yeah. Yep. Uh, so we're doing two smaller uh, CRPGs in two parts each. Mm-hmm. So uh, the first game we're going to be covering is Torment Tides of Numenera uh, over two parts. The second game we're going to be covering is Shatter on Hong Kong, uh, the uh, sequel to Dragonfall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be doing that in two parts. And then you might be thinking, where for the, uh, the premium episode? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we're doing the thing we did. We've done this before as well, where the premium episode will not have like a preview and then a full episode for patrons. It's just going to have a full episode and it's going to be for patrons. Yes. So and it has nothing to do with CRPGs. No, no, it's yeah. going to be uh, it's going to be another arcade special. Yeah, uh, we've done a few of these before. We each choose a few arcade games and talk about them. Kind of do a book report style. Mm-hmm. It's been a minute since we've done them. Uh, some some stuff is opening up a little bit mm-hmm. more, but also home arcade stuff is easy. I've got a couple of these little arcade one up mm-hmm. uh, games that I want to uh, get some use out of. Yeah, for work. So we're gonna do a, a little book report on arcades. Yeah, uh, yeah. We hadn't done so. one for a while. We're gonna keep doing these basically for the whole lifetime of the show because yeah. arcades are a huge part of gaming, and I don't want to ignore it. I do not want to ignore them either. Uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, that that arcade special will be for uh, for patrons. Uh, if you want to hear all of the torment or shadow run stuff, everybody uh, gets those on the public feed. Yeah. Um, if you want to sponsor an episode, we are booking into first. Uh, quarter of 2023 and a little bit into the second quarter now plenty mm-hmm. of slots and I, i'm gonna say we got some weird wild shit <laughs> coming up in 2023 some stretches of the uh the muscles mm-hmm. for the show i'm excited about it yeah like it's it's cool stuff that i am looking forward to trying or checking out that we have not covered before agreed yeah. Um, patreon.com slash duckfeed TV is how you can support us. And ratings reviews on Apple Podcasts or Podcast Addict are also useful. Uh, and listening to our other shows. Yeah, please do. Best quality vacuum, our new show about breaking bad, Better Call Saul, El Camino. That is up and running. Yeah. Uh, and this is your final chance to get out before devotion responses. Mm-hmm. And here goes. Uh Jake says with devotion. Uh, during the go to the different years and solve the puzzles part of the game, I returned to the common area and noticed that my character was starting to sink down, filled with dread at uh, the next scare, uh, what the next scare was. I hesitantly looked down. The tension was only cut when I clipped through the floor and saw the map above me. It gave me a good <laughs> laugh uh, that I built up this dread for no good reason. Yet another in the glitches are actually good column. 
that's right. very similar to what happened to me the first time I played Silent Hill Shattered Memories and fell through nice. the infinite stairway. Yeah. Yep. Nice. <laughs> Love that shit. So good. Glitches are good. Um, mm-hmm. as long as they don't make you lose too much progress. Yes. Uh, uh, Oska or Oska, either of those. I apologize if I didn't take any a third pronunciation into account. Uh, they write in from Wellington, New Zealand. Uh, they say, I recently bought Devotion after listening to the first five minutes of the WAF episode. And after you gave it a glowing intro and said, spoiler wall, I immediately stopped listening and bought the game, thinking overconfidently that I could handle it. This game had me almost in hysterics with how terrifying it was, and I lasted only about 15 minutes before tapping out. But what a 15 minutes, my God. Uh, This felt like such an incredibly well-crafted game, especially with the way the tension and terror mounts steadily. I just felt the pit of my stomach continuously drop and drop. I'm very excited to play the rest of this game, but definitely not playing after 9 p.m. again. Uh, This is absolutely a play-during-the-day game. Uh, thanks so much for highlighting this wonderful game on your show. I've only recently bought a gaming PC and I hadn't yet heard of this game until you covered it. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you. Uh, glad. Yeah, we we probably we were so busy talking up. We probably didn't spend very much time being like, actually, yeah, it's also really super scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is. It is very scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is very dread inducing. Yeah. So uh, if you're looking for a more lighthearted romp, may I recommend Amnesia. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking <laughs> yeah um, uh doug says i'm really thankful this show has pushed me to play devotion this is one of many games that i know affect me differently as a parent edith finch the last of us and now this are fundamentally more visceral because having kids unlocked an otherwise inaccessible subset of emotions i think it speaks to the quality of devotion that it still hit as hard as it did even though the beginning of the story suggested only a handful of tragic outcomes with a family of only three people. I knew the answer was that either the father directly caused the daughter's death or he felt his inaction allowed her death to happen. But the actual solution turned out to be more complex. Uh, It speaks to a profound insecurity that I feel from time to time. And I'm sure other parents do as well, that despite trying my best, I do things that unintentionally harm my kids. Thankfully, I'm not trying to cure my kids with snake snake a hall cult magic. <laughs> um, snake a hall is good. Yeah, I, I almost instinctively read it as snake oil. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah snake a hall. Uh, but there are little things saying the wrong thing, a too short fuse, not enough time, patience, or grace. For me, devotion found a way to use the supernatural to make those very real natural insecurities resonate. Devotion is a game about how knowing better makes a parent blind to their children's needs. I finished the game uh, too late to go into their rooms and give them hugs, but I definitely made them some spectacular pancakes the following morning. That's Man, parenthood is scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to do it. Nope. Um, the, the, uh, <laughs> Later. Like, yeah, I just, I, it's hard to be, I mean, you get, this is not comparable at all. You get a tiny amount of that with pets. Like you'll accidentally hurt a pet. It yeah. feels awful. Yeah. You know, like you do something, uh, I don't like accidentally hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to make the world worse if I can help it. Um, you know, so I, I get that. Yeah. Sure. No. yeah. I'm kind of surprised Doug clocked it as the daughter dying so quick and not the wife. Yeah. That could have been, that's a, that's a psychological horror game as well. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> All we know is a woman got to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the genre, baby. <laughs> like, ladies gotta go. <laughs> Can you imagine how how cavalier you would feel if a son drowned? Like, no big deal at all. You know? 
do 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 that that yeah. ju- that joke is only two steps away from being the woke gator no i know <laughs> I, I that's that's the uh never gonna engage an unironic woke gator uh but yeah that's that's the that's the genre it's also kind of just horror as well oh yeah like it's yeah. not even just psychological horror like mm-hmm. it's, it's not always great <laughs> uh moving on uh, thank you doug uh steven says Ever since stumbling into a used copy of Fatal Frame 1 with my buddy, my eyes were open to how powerful horror can be through gameplay. I even read a paper on Amnesia in college about how the torture dungeon uses the medium to impact you in a way that a book or a movie couldn't necessarily. That said, I feel horror game design has stumbled a bit by latching onto things that weren't necessarily the best parts of previous games like Amnesia, Resident Evil, etc. In this case, the puzzles slash chore lists. I absolutely, absolutely love Devotion's story, art, sound design, voice acting. There's so much to love. But every time I picked up a piece of paper with a list of steps and chores, it immediately took me out of the moment. Uh, and I feel like I am looking right at the wireframe. I think puzzles for the sake of it are a real pit uh, that otherwise good horror stories fall into. Why are puzzles and horror so synonymous in games? Is there a deeper reason, or is it just that the Resident Evil puzzle virus infected everything? Uh, this game, please. <laughs> the P- <Yeah. laughs> Uh, this game has uh, fantastic puzzle-like moments that are uh, flavor-forward. The storybook? Phenomenal. The ritual? Phenomenal. Picking up the camera to take a good picture to uh, get the date on it to open a padlock on the wardrobe? Boxes on a checklist. Not everything needs to be a puzzle, and I think uh, if they were used more sparingly, I would have enjoyed the game a bit, quite a bit more, uh, despite it still being an excellent game, IMO. Um, uh, sorry that this was a long one. Curious what your thoughts are. Appreciate all the great work. Thank you. Yeah, um, thanks Steven. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah, th- this, this plays into something we've talked about a lot on dispatches and otherwise mm-hmm. like the urge to gameplay something up mm-hmm. when it doesn't necessarily need it. I think that like puzzles a lot of times in horror games, uh, are just the easiest fit without disrupting. Yeah. You know, things, uh, and I might just be like absolutely cucked by it. And I just think like, it could be worse. It could be combat in deadly premonition, mm-hmm. you know, like it could be them adding in like something significantly worse than these light puzzles. Yeah. Um, they, they wanted a gameplay excuse to have you go visit areas. Yeah. Uh, that's all they're doing. It does feel transparent, you know, and, and otherwise like a little bit gamey for something that is a real narrative experience. Mm-hmm. I get why it happens. I don't necessarily have a good solution for it. Uh, I really you know? don't because like yeah. pu- puzzle, pu- you know, puzzle is a thing you can do that in a game that is not combat introducing combat necessarily, uh, throws in, uh, uh, you know, possibly some empowerment that you have to engage with or else it becomes, you know, uh, just, a you know, one of any number of, uh, horror stealth game, you know, kind of deals where it's just pursuit. And that is a different kind of thing. And oftentimes you're doing that pursuit while also solving, uh, solving puzzles. So I think it's part like genre, um, uh, kind of obligation. Like this is, this is how horror games have always been done kind mm-hmm. of deal, but also, it is for a dearth of other options to, you know, give you a reason to go and explore these spaces. Uh, I think that you can do an awful lot to solve that by, um, 
uh, making it a little bit less obvious that you were getting a chore list, you know, like yeah, devotions, they, they literally enlists. For, yeah. <laughs> there, there are ways that you can obfuscate it. Right. I think that like resident evil does a very good job with that. Uh, and silent Hill, like within their, uh, you know, within their spaces by like having different keys and things like that. It's like, Oh yeah. Like there are three, three spots here for something. So I need to go find three things that are going to match this. Okay, cool. Yeah. It is not, you know, literally giving it to you, you know, on this, uh, you know, poem that you have to look at, or just straight up a shopping list uh, that is uh, that that is that is there. Um, also, I think that uh, you know, story can be handled in puzzles. You know, like it can help surface themes, or you know, use different parts, uh, uh, and uh, you know, use different parts of like you know what the story is made out of to you know go into puzzles. I'm thinking um, the dragonfly stuff in Resident Evil Code Veronica. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's the following following the uh, the video to put together the key in the first half, and then taking it apart in the second half, kind of deal. I think that uh, it can be done uh, yes. for that. I think it's pretty rare. Yeah, uh, and I think part of the reason why this it uh, sticks out so much in devotion is because devotion is significantly more artful. Yes, uh, and has a higher uh, kind of pitch mm-hmm. in terms of theme. Uh, yeah. stuff so it feels a little bit extra weird yeah you know like oh uh, i have to go do a video game ass video game thing <laughs> in this thing that is about more important shit than that in a general sense yeah uh it it would have been a more confident move i think to just let the video game bit be the fact that you are there like mm-hmm. video game you know i you know, walking sims are games walking sims add a lot uh imo mm-hmm. uh when they're at their best and what it adds is the fact that like I'm actually walking around and experiencing this. This is a narrative yeah. thing that I'm experiencing whatever order I like, but it's mm-hmm. me yes. doing it. And I think that plays really nicely with horror. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would have like some of the puzzles and none of the puzzles in devotion, I think are super great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, the other stuff that they added to gameplay stuff, I think is actively like pretty bad. I don't like the pursuit section. I, you know, that you, where you get chased, Mm-hmm. uh in that like they li- literally do that thing i i just don't think it adds very much i don't think it needs yeah. it you can you can see it just kind of uh i think inertia is a really big part of it yeah um for that so you're, i don't think you're wrong to notice that it's a little bit off it just didn't bug me and i don't know what to do about it mm-hmm. same so, yeah. uh finally uh this is me right i believe it is Finally, uh, Austin says, after years of consistent listening to the network, this is the very first time I actually played a game for the show. I heard atmospheric Taiwanese horror and purchased it the very same day. What I want to touch on is what scared me the most about this game, and that's the sound design. From the menu screen, this game had me crawling out of my skin. The dimly lit uh, living room with the TV on and music playing loudly over the radio gave me chills. Devotion is a very lonely experience. Not a single time do we share a space or interact with a real flesh and blood person. When we do interact with others, it's always through sound, be it listening to a cassette tape, reliving a memory, or hearing a voice in our head. The voice acting was all very well performed and did a great job of making me feel the emotions they portrayed in their voices as they spoke. The ambient sound design was also off the charts. Hearing dogs barking in the streets, the pounding wind and rain on the windows all came together to make the world feel alive. When things are going south, the sounds intensify. The demonically warped sounding TV blaring in the background as you navigate an ever warping version of the same apartment. Horribly old vinyl records playing in reverse, 
clinking dishes in an empty kitchen. It all made for an incredibly harrowing experience that left me exhausted after I finished it. The climax of the game didn't lit up for a second. In fact, it ratcheted up the tension by 110%. I hope I never have to find out what a person actually sounds like when they rip out their own tongue, but something tells me they nailed it. (laughs) Those slobbery gasps uh, for air and moans and cries really have my jaw on the floor. Alternatively, the ending dreamlike sequence that featured a licensed song felt so triumphant and victorious to me, I had goosebumps the entire time. And then after everything was finished, I found myself back in the living room on the menu screen. This time, no music, just darkness and TV static. What an amazing game. I know I'm a little bit long-winded here at this point, but I just can't thank you guys enough for uh, bringing, always bringing my attention to some of the cool shit I've experienced in video games. Wishing you both well. We wish you well as well. Yeah, I, I I am really happy with the number of people who decided to take the plunge on this mm-hmm. uh, at our at our insistence. I, I, I yeah, no, that just uh, more people getting to play this um, and appreciate it for more than just like the headline curiosity that it was, mm-hmm. you know, with international politics and censorship and stuff like the That's great. Just uh, I, I want to be a, a fucking evangelist for this awesome game. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, I don't, you know, there's, I think a lot about like the idea of the role of a critic, like whether it's necessary to champion mm-hmm. uh, things like if that is a, a virtuous act inherently. Um, I don't, I don't know about that. I have mixed feelings about it. I mm-hmm. do think it's cool that more people will play this though, yes. because I don't want the, the spigot to turn off. Nope. I want them to keep making stuff. And I think it's also like a pretty great experience. I think, yeah. uh, you know, it's a, it's hard to make an unqualified recommendation when recommendations come with so much baggage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, I think. Uh, I think that's gonna be it. Think We've so. already done admin. We have. Yeah. Uh, I will say good night to the audience. You knew at the same time and immediately hang up. It'll be weird. <laughs> no, please don't. That'll. <laughs> no, that will upset. Great. Yeah, yeah. I won't. Uh, good night, everybody. Good night. Uh, take care.